0: Right now, 8.30, time for your VOCM News.
1: Local News Now, a VOCM News update. This news presented by Robotham Mackay Marshall.
2: If you've been injured in an accident, make the call today. 576-CALL. It is minus 16 in Metro that hasn't budged since I came in around 4.30. Good morning, I'm Brian Medora. What a night it was for Dawson Mercer of Bay Roberts, trailing the Los Angeles Kings 2-0 in the second period. New Jersey went to work. Mercer set up Thomas Tatar to get the Devils on the board, then scored his 17th to tie it 2-2. Kings took the lead in the third. New Jersey tied at 40 seconds left, and then Mercer scored the OT winner halfway through the frame. He was named the game's first star, was also Mercer's 140th consecutive game. That ties Scott Gomez's team record. And with the win, the Devils moved to within three points of Carolina in the Metropolitan Division. Quebec Premier Francois Legault in the province today meeting with Premier Andrew Fury about the Churchill Falls deal. That current agreement set to expire in 2041 sees Quebec reap most of the profits are still 18 years to go before the deal expires the provinces already though starting to talk about future arrangements so the two premiers meet this morning at confed building and will address reporters at noon vocm news will be there I just heard ben mention we're going to hear from newfoundland labrador hydro right on the back of the newscast though we will tell you the last time the metro region had two consecutive days this cold was twenty fourteen, according to meteorologist Rodney Barney. The record for consecutive days of daytime temperatures no higher than minus ten is six. That was set back in nineteen seventy-five. Provincial government has announced plans for the construction of a new Cardiovascular and Stroke Institute at the Health Sciences Centre. The new facility will allow for enhanced cardiac, vascular and stroke services. It will increase the number of beds and operating rooms at the Health Sciences as well. Premier Andrew Fury says the work will be done in three phases.
3: Phase one involves rapid access to cardiology clinics, Heart Force One, virtual care and travelling cardiologists, bringing care to people in all corners of our beautiful province. Phase two is integrating stroke and vascular care to provincial programs to join the cardiac program. And in phase three, we will see this phase as a new purpose-built Newfoundland and Labrador cardiovascular stroke institute.
2: An RFP will soon be issued for the work. The
3: concept in general is a new tower here within the footprint. What that will do is not only uh, put uh, similar medical specialties together, it will ring-fence the cardiac program, for example... Uh, and that will create uh, extra space in the existing infrastructure, so extra OR capacity, for example, extra ICU capacity, uh, increase in acute uh, short-stay beds in the the current infrastructure. So uh, that's the concept. Uh, It, again, has to be scoped and has to be properly planned, but uh, that's what we're committed to doing.
2: And the Muse Centre swimming pool is finally reopened after a lengthy closure due to repairs. The city says the new swim schedule Is available online. The aging indoor facility being replaced with construction now underway on a new Muse Center off Blackler Avenue. In sports, Raptors won last night. They defeated New Orleans. That's a pretty good offensive team. Uh, The Rogues playing tonight at the uh, Mary Brown Center. That tip-off time is 7 o'clock. And Montreal, Toronto both playing in the NHL tonight. It is 8.34 up next. Traffic and weather.
4: I can't even describe my emotional state after it happened. I was just a wreck. It took everything I had in me to ask for help. Thank God I did. After the accident, I called for legal advice. But I got a whole lot more. Raboth and Makai Marshall gave me comfort, support, and attention. And they got me the compensation I deserve.
5: Injured in an accident? Make the call today. It costs nothing to talk. Roboth and Makai Marshall
6: drafty damp and downright cold when old man winter attacks your home make sure you can withstand the brutal conditions head to mount carmel building supplies during the solar seal winter booking event save 10 on windows doors and patio doors book early and beat the spring price increases the team can take free measurements and provide quick delivery and installation the solar seal winter booking event on now until february 28th at mount carmel building supplies call 521-2730
7: this VOCM traffic brought to you by Dolphin's Home Hardware Building Center, Cape Royal. Book now for the best prices on plywood, spruce, and green and brown pressure-treated lumber. And everyday delivery.
2: I just watch out in Metro, the uh, Team Gushu Topsail Road, uh, the uh, overpass there, icicles hanging down. They can kind of break free and uh, possibly cause some damage. Icicles really on the buildings too, just about everywhere. I was in around walking and noticed quite a few of them uh, yesterday afternoon. Uh, Main roads, primary roads in great shape, bare wet or bare dry. Watch out some secondary roads, some slippery sections and a bit of snow cover, but uh, nowhere near the amount. Out of drifting that we've had the last couple of days. That's your traffic.
8: This VOCM weather brought to you by Cowan's Optical. We care about the health of your eyes. Eye exams now available Monday to Saturday. Call 722-EYES to book your appointment.
2: St. John's Metro and the rest of the Avalon. A few sunny breaks today. Winds down to 30 as opposed to, what, 60 or 70 yesterday. Temperature minus 12. Tonight, clear skies. Winds pick up to 40. Temperature minus 12. And for Saturday, cloudy, winds 40. Temperature minus 13, minus 15 on Sunday. Clarenville and Central minus 14 next couple of days, minus 21 overnight. South Coast minus 11 the next couple of days. Light winds minus 16 overnight And the West Coast. Southwest Coast, Northern Peninsula minus 14 next couple of days, minus 19 overnight. Colder in the north right now in Metro minus 16. Back with an update just before nine o'clock over to you ben oh i mean do you oh. hear
0: those temperatures
2: <laughs> not too often have i seen this situation here i get in at four thirty. it was minus 16. Four and a half hours later, it is minus 16, hasn't budged a bit.
0: Yep, tonight will literally be one of, if not the coldest nights of the year. Temperatures in the metro region expected to hang around minus 26 with the windchill today and into this evening. But tomorrow night will always be the coldest night of the year. No better time for the annual Choices for Youth fundraiser for local charities serving people experiencing hurt, hunger, and and homelessness. Choices for Youth Manager of Fund Development and Communications, Katie Keats, joins me now to talk all about the coldest night of the year. Katie, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. I'm uh, warming
9: up here after coming into uh, the cold. Good morning.
0: I'm glad you're warming up. So why don't you tell us all about the coldest night of the year?
9: Absolutely. So coldest night of the year is actually owned by an organization called Lucy. So we are one of over 80 uh, events happening right across the country uh, tomorrow. Um, but here in Newfoundland, we do have one happening here in St. John's and Choices for Youth oversees that event. Um, and so that's happening tomorrow. Essentially, Block is a family-friendly event where, you know, folks can come out, uh, fundraise to support uh, local charity of Choices for Youth and our programs and services, and they'll come out and uh, essentially walk a, a small route tomorrow, two and a half kilometers here in downtown St. John's, and uh, be in solidarity to raise funds for the programs and services of Choices for Youth.
0: And why is this such an important fundraiser for Choices for Youth every single year?
9: Uh, well, that's a good question. I think it really focuses on uh, two big things that, you know, we, we believe in. And the first one is uh, providing funding for our programs and services, as I mentioned. Um, the other piece of this event is, you know, it's so fitting—the coldest night of the year because we're having such cold temperatures—that it really brings an advocacy piece, right, and some awareness to um, some of the, you know, the situations that people find themselves in here all over our community, um, who may not necessarily have like a warm house or a warm roof over their head. Um, so I think that. In addition to it being a fundraiser and you know getting you know family friendly we want you to come out and enjoy it's also a pretty serious uh, awareness event as well
0: yeah and just on that note with these bitterly cold temperatures i guess that really hammers home the the whole point of this walk
9: you got it the you know the walk is called the coldest night of the year um you know we, we do our best to make sure um you know the route is safe and conditions are good but the ultimate of the event is to bring some awareness and really shine just a small shed of light on, on some of the situations that um, some people in our community find themselves in when these temperatures get down so low.
0: We're speaking with Choices for Youth Manager of Fund Development and Communications Katie Keats about the coldest night of the Walk. And Katie, who can take part and how can they take part?
9: Great question. Um, so the answer is anybody can take part. Um, the only thing that we ask is that we ask people pre-register online and you can do that at Um It's a very friendly, um, family-friendly event. Uh, with these temperatures, we ask you to compress the dress warm. Um, we will try to keep it short. It's going to be 2.5 route, roof, and we will have all We're going to try to just decrease the time outside. I still get it again. It is the coldest night of the year, so we ask everybody to come prepared. Um, and if you can't get involved on the day of, there's also a great opportunity to show your support. You can donate, donate directly online, so wwwcnyca slash St. George, St. John's, and um, donate and show your solidarity there as well.
0: Katie, what's the fundraising goal?
9: Uh, <laughs> great question as well. So the fundraising goal was $50,000, and we are so, so happy to say that we've reached that goal yesterday. And it actually keeps increasing. So right now, um, as of this morning, we actually are at 113% of our goal. So um, a big thanks to all of our walkers and our fundraisers who've been supporting this over the last couple of months. Um, Thank you so much for helping us reach our goal. And we're actually to see um, what other funds we can raise between now and tomorrow.
0: Well, congratulations on reaching that fundraising goal before the event even kicks off, Katie. And just finally, where does the money raise go?
9: Uh, Sorry, could you repeat the question? Oh, yeah,
0: sorry. Where does the money raised go?
9: Oh, thank you. Um, Yeah, so it does support programs and services at Choices for Youth. In particular, it does support um, Outreach Outreach Center, which is located on Curtis Hill Place. Uh, And we consider that the front door here at Choices for Youth. So if there's a young person in the community who is looking to get in support with Choices for Youth for the first time, the Outreach Center is normally where they go. That is the place where they can drop in, grab a hot meal if they need to, grab a hot shower. Um, you know, access the internet if they need to, as well as uh, building relationships with our staff there and getting access to health care.
0: Katie Keats, a Fund Development Manager with Choices for Youth and Communications Manager, thank you for joining us here on your VOCM Mornings and telling us all about the coldest night of the year.
9: Thank you so much for having me. I also like to give a really great thanks to all of the walkers who have signed up, the volunteers who are coming out, and all of our great sponsors. The event would not be possible without all of those fantastic people.
0: Thank you, Katie.
10: Thank you. Take care.
0: Right now it is 842. And yeah, just speaking of the coldest night of the year, we're going to speak with Newfoundland and Labrador Hydro coming up in a few minutes time. They say they're ready to meet increased demand.
11: When Saunders Bath Fitter comes into your life, it's about a better bath remodel. Their one-of-a-kind remodel process fits your life. With hundreds of custom designs, Saunders Bath Fitter fits your style. With their unique tub-over-tub installation, in as little as one day, they fit your schedule. With quality that is guaranteed for life, they fit your high standard. Call Saunders Bath Fitter today or visit them at 271 Black Marsh Road right behind Domino's. Saunders Bath Fitter, your dream bathroom is closer than you think. Wooden Walls Distilling is now open in the Templeton building at 140 Harbor Drive. We make premium vodka and gin using the finest of ingredients in the heart of downtown St. John's. Come by and try some for yourself in our tasting room where we make the best cocktails in the city. Or take some home by shopping online at woodenwalls.ca, at our bond shop at 140 Harbor Drive, and coming soon to an NLC store near you. Wooden Walls Distilling, we make small batches of great things.
12: Life is full of the unexpected, like secret celebrations, My! romantic confessions,
13: I've always loved you, and sudden 911. What's your emergency?
12: When life throws you an unexpected curveball, call Moores and Collins Law Office, personal injury and accident lawyers for over 50 years, offering no fee until you collect. Because life is unexpected, but your claims shouldn't be. Moores and Collins Law Office, 268 Conception Bay Highway, Bay Roberts.
2: Steve here. I'm 48 years old. I've conquered most of my adolescent fears, including eels, clowns, and being trapped inside a -a Tilt-A-Whirl. I just can't wrap my head around cleaning out my dad's house so he can move to Littledale. He hasn't thrown out a church bulletin in 30 years. Should I call the rooms? No, Steve. You call
14: us. Our moving concierge can help. The residents at Littledale. Your new neighborhood is waiting. Visit littledale.ca.
15: The wait for new trucks is over. Terranova GMC Buick has them on the lot, and they're blowing them out with a huge blowout sale. Don't miss the 2022 GMC Sierra blowout. Get into a 2022 light-duty Sierra and choose your trim, Pro, Elevation, AT4, Denali, and they're all priced to go. Find the best selection of GMC trucks at 595 Camel Road in San St. John's and test drive yours today because they're blowing them out. Everything must go. See GMC
10: This is Sylvia. She snores a lot. Next to her is Phil, her husband. He whistles through his teeth when he sleeps. They sleep well because they invest well with NLCU. They don't worry about the future. Their retirement solution is in good hands with NLCU. Does Phil need dental work? Absolutely. Does Sylvia need treatment for sleep apnea? Quite possibly, but their retirement plan is dreamy thanks to NLCU. Call us and sleep well. This VOCM weather brought to you by
8: Cowan's Optical. We care about the health of your eyes. Eye exams now available Monday to Saturday. Call 722-EYES to book your appointment.
0: Those bitterly cold temperatures are the story of the weekend. Joining your VOCM mornings with all the details in the forecast around the province is meteorologist Justin Boudreau with Environment Canada's Gander Weather Office. What kind of day are we in for today here in Metro?
16: Just cold. (laughs) Cold across the board, basically. Uh... We do have a little bit of cloud uh, from system just south of the island. It's because we're in such cold air, they're basically skirting around the periphery of our, our region, which is good in some ways, but in other ways. So a little bit more cloud today. It'll sort of partly clear off tonight. And then tomorrow, the winds become a little more northerly for a little while. So I think the Avalon's probably started off a little cloudier, uh, but as the day goes on, decently... Uh, Better chance of seeing some sun. Uh, probably be scattered flurries coming in off the ocean for at least the the onshore areas, uh, and that, that's basically it for the next couple of days. Everything basically stays exactly the same.
0: And is a similar story for Buren, Clarenville, Central Western as you move across the island.
16: Uh, Buren's going to be nice, basically just a mix of sun and cloud the whole way, or partly cloudy. Uh, and same thing for Clarenville. Blana Vista is sort of the similar situation where they're sort of cloudier on the end of the peninsula and a little bit sunnier, uh, slightly better inland. Of course, it'll be colder inland than it is along the coast. And uh, just chance of flurries where the, the winds are blowing on shore.
0: And let's get into those bitterly cold temperatures a bit more. What can you tell us about the special weather statement and this extreme cold warning? How cold could it get?
16: Uh, so we are expecting decently chilly. It probably won't be quite so bad in St. John's itself. Uh, be more sort of on the tw- minus 25 wind chill era uh, area, but anywhere inland where it gets a little bit colder, it's certainly going to approach minus 30 for the wind chills. That's for most of the island, and then for the uh, northern peninsula and. Parts of central, west central, we're, we're sort of expecting the, uh, the wind chills to dip below minus 35, which then we have the uh, extreme cold warning out. So that's the that's the criteria for that one. And it's a little bit colder on the northern peninsula this morning. We got down to minus 42 wind chills. So uh, it's basically just every overnight and morning will be about the same uh, for the next. A little while, at least for tonight, tomorrow night, and maybe even Sunday night into Monday. And then even when you go beyond that, sort of Tuesday into Wednesday, it warms up a very slight bit. So those mornings will still be close to warning. I don't know if we'll be keeping that going or not, but uh, time will tell.
0: Yeah, so over the next couple of days, is that like a, a frostbite in minutes type of warning? I mean, just that level of cold?
16: Uh, Minus 35 isn't terrible, but you certainly don't want to be out there for more than 10, 20 minutes at a time and definitely don't want any uh, skin that you – too much skin, I suppose. I mean, you can't can't cover everything. You still need to be able to see. But, I mean, uh, your face – scarf over the face is is usually a pretty good uh, thing if you've got something like that. Now, up in Labrador, where they're in minus 55 right now, uh, wind chills in Nain and minus – Forty-five. That's 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 your wind, your frostbite in, in minutes kind of category. And
0: there you have it. That is meteorologist Justin Boudreau with Environment Canada's Gander Weather Office. Temperatures taking a plunge right across the province, Newfoundland and Labrador. Hydro says it's ready to meet increased demand. Vice President of Regulated Operations with Hydro, Scott Crosby, tells VOCM's Linda Swain they're ready.
17: So tell us a little bit about uh, what kind of capacity we have in the system right now.
18: Well, right across uh, Newfoundland and Labrador, we've seen a lot of extreme weather, Uh, not not only extreme cold temperatures, but also the uh, hurricanes that we've seen and and that have come through and high winds, ice storms. And we're as ready for this piece of severe weather as any of the other. In fact, most of the processes are are the same. And uh, all our severe weather checks are done and in place, or we know the status of equipment, reserves are strong, our people are out there. Ready to operate throughout this uh, cold period, and we've been doing that already here on the island. And it seems to be like it's been an ongoing event in Labrador this year. So we're ready.
17: So, what do we anticipate in terms of demand? Because this cold system is going to affect everybody.
18: Well, I think it's going. What's notable about this one is is that it is we would expect loads to be high when you see cold temperatures and winds together. With that wind chill, it creates greater heat loss. So we would expect to see high loads, uh, typical of what we saw in the last cold snap that we had. But uh, this one also goes out for several days. So we've been tracking this now for several days. Our our folks have been getting ready, and uh, we have people lined up. Our operators, our maintainers are out there in the field. Everyone's on deck, and uh, we're keeping a close pulse on everything. And we're ready to operate not only today but out across the Next four or five days, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, whatever it takes, we're there.
17: Is there anything people should keep in mind um, when, in these bitterly cold temperatures when it comes to conserving energy?
18: While we have adequate reserves, uh, it's always a good idea, I think, uh, these days for people to think about how they use their energy and, and, and conservation. And one of the um, simple examples uh, that came up was, you know, anybody that camps with a generator if you want to run your hair dryer and your heater and your microwave at the same time, you probably need a 5,000-watt generator. If you want to do one at a time, you can get by with a 1,500-watt generator. And the same is true of our electrical system. So it's always a good idea to think about conservation, and particularly around the peaks. If you don't have to use some electricity, then don't. And it helps us manage the system better, but it also helps keep costs down overall.
17: So how are we being uh, serviced right now? Um, will Holyrood be online? Are we getting energy from Muskrat? How is it working?
18: Um, we're fortunate in, in this province when you look at our supply, over 80% of our energy right now comes from hydroelectric. So our hydroelectric plants are up and all available. Our thermal, our fuel-fired or fuel-consuming fuel generation is really just used for the peaks and uh, and for some standby on that. So most of our our electricity comes from the hydroelectric plants. So our supply there is good as well. While we don't count on Lille right now because it's moving through commissioning, that's the Labrador Island link, Uh, it is there, it's operating, it's available and providing significant energy to us. So that's good. And when you look back over the severe weather we've had last, uh, well, throughout this winter, Lil has been there and and providing energy to us. So that's a benefit to everybody.
0: And that is Vice President of Regulated Operations with Newfoundland and Labrador Hydro, Scott Crosby, telling VOCM's Linda Swain they're ready to meet increased demand. Well, just like that, my time is up here on your VOCM mornings. Thanks for tuning into the show and starting your morning here with us. Don't go anywhere. Patty Daly's up next on VOCM Open Line from 9 until noon. We'll be back on Monday morning. I'm Ben Murphy. Stay warm and stay safe out there this weekend. It's 8.53.
11: This community update is brought to you by the VOCM Cares Foundation. The VOCM Cares Foundation, strengthening communities in Newfoundland and Labrador.
7: VOCM Cares Foundation is committed to strengthening communities in Newfoundland and Labrador. From providing essential program funding for local charities to operating community service initiatives, including food and clothing drive, and the annual Happy Tree Campaign, our focus is on a stronger, healthier future. You can help VOCM Cares support families and charities when they need it most by donating today at vocmcares.com or by mail at VOCM Cares Foundation, PO Box 8590, St. John's, Newfoundland, A1B 3P5.
11: Shopping for that perfect prom dress can be a lot of fun for some graduates, but for others, it can be a financial burden. But it doesn't have to be. Prom Dreams Project provides free prom dresses, suits, and accessories to any graduate in the province. Graduates are invited to attend their annual boutique day from 10 to 4 p.m. this Saturday, February 25th at Whitburn Elementary. For more information, visit Prom Dreams Project Newfoundland on Facebook.
1: Local news now. A VOCM
7: News update. Follow VOCM News on Twitter for breaking news. If it affects you, it's on VOCM. Stay up to date with your VOCM.
2: A 5 to 9 temperature in Metro, minus 16 degrees. Good morning, I'm Brian Maduro. What a night it was for Dawson Mercer Bay Roberts, trading the Los Angeles Kings 2-0 in the second period. The Devils... Went to work. Mercer set up Thomas to tar to get the Devils on the board and then scored his 17th to tie it 2-2. Kings took the lead in the third. New Jersey tied it, though. 40 seconds left in the game. Mercer then went to work scoring the OT winner halfway through the frame. Named the game's first star, was also Mercer's... 140th consecutive game that ties Scott Gomez for the team record. Quebec Premier Francois Legault is in the province today meeting with Premier Andrew Fury about the Churchill Falls deal. The current agreement... Set to expire in 2041, sees Quebec reap most of the profits still 18 years to go. Before that deal expires, the two premiers meet this morning at Confed Building to address reporters. At noon, we'll be there. we want to find out from Premier Legault if he is willing to make adjustments to the existing contract. Uh, temperatures, as we've heard, have taken quite the plunge right across the province. Newfoundland Labrador Hydro, though, says they are ready to meet the demand. The last time the metro region had two consecutive days this cold, 2014, according to meteorologist Rodney Barney, record for consecutive days of daytime temperatures no higher than minus 10 is six, set back in 1975. And provincial government announcing plans for the construction of a new cardiovascular and stroke institute going to be built at the Health Sciences Centre, according to Premier Fury. It will increase the number of beds and operating rooms at the Health Sciences as a result. And the Muse Centre swimming pool finally reopens after a lengthy closure due to repairs. The city says the new swim schedule is available online and in sports Boston Bruins got a couple of good players from the Washington Capitals for their Stanley Cup run and it is the uh, Newfoundland Rogues playing tonight at the Mary Brown Center 7 o'clock versus Salem up next we'll have traffic and weather
4: Quality. Quality Care Hearing would like to welcome you into 2023 by offering you an amazing promo. Buy one premium hearing aid and get the second at 80% off only while inventory lasts. And payment plans are still available. Call today to reserve your appointment and book your free hearing consultation. Get back to Better Hearing Today. Call Quality Care Hearing 7-Time Award winners, 739 999 When you need to hear, we listen. Interest payments were going up. Creditors were calling. I finally realized I needed help. But the people at Jane's and Noseworthy really took care of me. And I'm glad I chose a local solution. I felt like they understood me better.
5: We've been helping Newfoundlanders and Labradorians get out of debt for 35 years. With six offices across our province offering in-person appointments, we won't only offer you a video call. We'll meet with you on your terms when and where you need us. Visit janesnoseworthy.ca. This VOCM traffic
15: is brought to you by Island Furniture, 428 Empire Avenue and 50 Aberdeen Avenue. Quality brand name furniture for less. Visit Island Furniture today.
2: Kind of a mixed bag, well the primary roads in great shape but uh, once you get into some of the secondary roads maybe not so you might find some snow cover icy sections still. uh, Some narrow roads as you get into metro took a swing around the city yesterday from west to far east and you do see Quite a few narrow roads still on the go and uh, some unplowed sidewalks, but uh, darn sight better than they were a couple of days ago for sure. Uh, Bell Island Ferry operating, Fogo Island, Change Islands ferries operating as well. Marine Atlantic is on track. That is a look at your traffic.
8: This VOCM weather brought to you by Cowan's Optical. We care about the health of your eyes. Eye exams now available Monday to Saturday. Call 722-EYES to book your appointment.
2: St. John's Metro and the rest of the Avalon. Mainly cloudy today. Northwesterly winds 30, high minus 12. For tonight, clear skies, winds up to 40, temperature minus 12. But winds nowhere they were yesterday. Boy, that was a cold one. Uh, Saturday, cloudy, winds 40, temperature minus 13. Uh, even colder on Sunday, not much better on Monday. Clairville and central Newfoundland, minus 14, next couple of days. Daytime, light winds, minus 21 though, overnight. South Coast, some sunshine, and minus 11 daytime, next two days overnight minus 16 west coast southwest coast northern peninsula minus 14 next couple of days minus 18 overnight even colder once you get up north right now in metro it is minus 16 i'll be back with an update at 10 for vocm news i'm brian madore
1: vocm presents open line the opinions expressed on this show are not necessarily those of the station and now your host Patty
19: Daly. Well, all right, and good morning to you. Thank you so much for tuning into the program. It's Friday, February the 24th. This is Open Line. I'm your host, Patty Daly, and Greg Smith is back in the producer's chair producing this. Come on with an edition of Open Line for this chilly old Friday. So if you're in the St. John's Metro region, the number to dial to get in the queue and on the air is 273 5211. Elsewhere it's toll free long distance, 1 888 590 VOCM, which is 86. 26, and it is absolutely frigid, a bitter cold out there this morning. You know, when I hear the numbers of minus 56 in Lab West with the wind chill, I mean, it's absolutely unbearable, but it's going to be chilly, and there's a freeze warning right across the entirety of the province. So, batting down the hatches, Newfoundland and Labrador Hydro say they are prepared for this particular cold snap, and we can only hope they are exactly that. All right, you've heard Brian Medore and Ben Murphy talk about this this morning, but it's absolutely unbelievable. New Jersey Devil forward Dawson Mercer, of course, from Bay Roberts, scored in his fifth straight game last night. He had two goals and assists. He was the first star of the game. He scored the overtime winner. So he is on a real burner. In the last five games, he's been the first star twice, the third star once. He's just played in his 140th consecutive game as a New Jersey Devil, tying the all-time record for consecutive games with uh, Scott Gomez. So I tell you what, reliability and durability as an NHLer is a real premium. When they look around for how they re-sign contracts and or for trade, they don't only look at goals and assists and the plus-minus and hits and all that kind of stuff. They absolutely look at how durable you've been. And Mercer's proven to be a real standout for the Devils this year. Absolutely brilliant stuff. So 140 consecutive games. For context, the NHL record for consecutive games played is 1,038 held by Phil Kessel, who is hardly the epitome, the poster boy for a fit and durable hockey player. But he's got the record. So, way to go, Dawson Mercer. Also, uh, check out the newly installed mural in the DF Barnes Arena up off Pennywell Road, uh, commemorating Alex and Stanley Cup victory. So, it's a beautiful mural, and it does indeed reflect his time as an Avalon Celtic. And, of course, the DF Barnes Arena, home to the Avalon Celtics. Big thanks to the City of St. John's for their partnership with the club to get that installed, and it really looks great. A uh, couple of notes of this date in sporting history. It was today in 2002. Joe Sakic, Jerome McGinley, both scored twice when Canada defeats the United States 5-2 to win the men's ice hockey gold medal at Salt Lake City. Of course, the women won that year as well, and that was a great call by Bob Cole in that particular game. Joe Sakic, you know that call? Anyway, great stuff. And also, we mentioned America on Ice uh, earlier this week. It was this date in history, 1980, that the states, Amer- the Americans' men's Olympic hockey team completed the Miracle on Ice by defeating the Finns 4-2 to win the gold Metal. Shout out to Team Curtis at the Scotties. They wrapped up their event this year. They did indeed get their second win. They beat the Wild Card 3 team, 10-9, ended with a 2-6 and record. And good luck to Mon at the AUS Basketball Championships, both men and women. It was, you know, they're both pretty poorly seeded, and they haven't had outstanding years, but it's the playoffs, and anything can happen. And in the AUS tournament, it's a one-game knockout. You lose, you go home. So uh, I think it was back in 1995 that the uh, women's team at Mon were also similarly seated. What happened? They went on to win the championship. Andrea didn't member of that team, as a matter of fact. Uh, I think that was 95. Correct me if I'm wrong, Andrea. But for the women, they kick off their tournament today, playing the University of New Brunswick at 1:30 Island time. The men's kick it off against the uh, Dalhousie Tigers. That's tonight at 9 p.m. Island time. So good luck to Mon at the AOSB ball. Championship. Speaking of b the Newfoundland Rogues in action at the Mary Brown Centre tonight against Salem. Tip-off at 7pm. Now let's talk about tipped off. And how about ticked off? So Denise Hanrahan, the province's Auditor General, has submitted her most recent report. And I think the overarching theme of this report is fraudulent behaviour. It's really unbelievable. So the highlight for many will be that some unnamed municipality in the province submitted phony paperwork to receive some COVID-19 stimulus funding. So some of that funding was up to $150,000 to be used for a variety of things. Repair community buildings, upgrade walking trails, those sorts of things. Now the money has been recouped. They uh, put putting forward fraudulent invoices as and, and a fraudulent proof of payment. There was never any work done. The town has returned the matter the money the department of municipal, municipal affairs is planning a special inspection into the matter so that's a strange one inside the art of support program there was 29 applications that had misleading information most of those were caught before money went out the door but some four uh, four applications were paid to the suspected irregular applicants so just like many covid programs they were devised and created with the essence of speed Versus the required oversight and monitoring. Because even look at some of the federal monies that went out the door to people who should not have gotten it, the totaling billions of dollars, but we're seeing it in this province as well. In addition, the Department of Education, there were stolen identities being used for student financial assistance. 28 potentially fraudulent applications had been received and were processed. So the total of the scam or the fraudulent behavior there, somewhere in excess of $54,000. Also, the Executive Council, there was a potential group insurance fraud by an employee. But get this, the insurance provider found 43 fraudulent claims by one employee from 2015 to 2020. Ay, 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 and the hits keep coming. The Department of Health Community Services reported an employee appeared to be working with another organization while receiving sick benefits from the provincial government, knowing full well They're not doing the proper thing. The Department of Infrastructure and Transportation. uh, An instance of an altered check that never reached its intended payee. So they materially tried to alter the check. Then there was examples of people trying to cash the same check on multiple occasions. Remarkable stuff. There was an unnamed former, I hate when they don't name these people, an unnamed former deputy minister in the Department of Natural Resources may have been involved in his own hiring. What? Or the hiring of his company by the newly formed Oil and Gas Corporation of Newfoundland and Labrador. Then there were reports, and this happens all the time, reports of several people, individuals, using government credit cards for their own personal use. In each case, reported funds have been repaid or in the process of being repaid. So we don't know what discipline looks like. Minister Cody says that she's pleased that some of the processes to deal with fraudulent behavior have been acknowledged by the Auditor General but the auditor general doesn't seem as pleased as minister cody you know referring to the fact that some 39% of the most recent recommendations have not been enacted 25% have seen zero action period so you know it depends on who you're listening to as to how well the government's doing now some of these instances of fraud is absolutely people's own irresponsibility reckless behavior and or criminal behavior so you know when we talk about discipline what does that look like so you're willing to repay the money you know full well that buying dungarees or a bra or shoes or boots or something for your own personal use on a government credit card is out of bounds. So we get the money back fine. I would suggest we march them out at Confederation Building and you're fired. I don't know. Is that going too far? I don't think so. Anyway, let's keep going here. They also targeted uh, issued some concerns regarding... COVID relief, COVID nineteen relief from both the federal and provincial government. There was seven hundred plus million dollars in combined funding from both level of governments. The Auditor General says that there's about one hundred and forty million of the committed funds have not yet been used. Minister Cody goes on to say that only includes the financial or the fiscal period between April of twenty one and March of twenty two, and much more spending has happened since. Oh man. You know, how many instances of this do we have to endure? before we see some legitimate action taken. So, back to the English-speaking school district and the fraudulent splitting of invoices and buying expensive wheelbarrows of winter tires in the summer and all the rest of it. Now, there's another big piece of work on the Auditor General's desk, and that's a an audit at Memorial University, which will be highly anticipated by many, but there you go. Maybe we'll see if uh, Miss Hanrahan is available this morning, Greg. See if she'll like to come on and describe, you know, and maybe get reaction to Minister Cody's Pleasure in acknowledging some of the processes in place. And yes, I understand and agree that some of these things can't be avoided because people take it upon themselves to do these ridiculous betrayals of government money and their role with the provincial government. So if you want to take it on, we can do it. We've been waiting for a while to understand exactly how the province was going to approach the fiscal framework regarding these wind-to-hydrogen projects. There are some 31 proposals in hand. And if we're all approved, which is not going to happen, be nearly 1.7 million hectares of Crown land in Newfoundland and Labrador. So they've come forward with this fiscal framework. And let's just say it's interesting. Now, zero projects have been approved, but here we go. The example used for the royalty, and that would be using our water. Now, remember. We talk about precious minerals, and precious commodities, and gold, and silver, and titanium. One of the most precious commodities on the face of the earth is water. It's not even being traded on the stock market. So here's how it works, and the example given is on a 1,000 megawatt project. Minister Parsons, when describing this water royalty or fee, said a 1,000 megawatt project would bring the province around $3.5 billion over the course of 30 years. But that only happens, and the royalty only is triggered after the company recovers their capital investment. So there are some legitimate concerns about that because with the green hydrogen, it's really expensive for the end-use customer. We don't know how long it will take to recover some of these costs because it's a moving target. And also, what happens with the advent of new technology? And different renewables that might be much more attractive and less expensive than green hydrogen. So, by the time the company is able to make themselves whole, we might not, in some of these projects, depending on who's approved and where they are, where the markets are, we might not get any of these royalties. In addition, when you get break it down, so water in service, after the turbines are in service, the annual charge of $4,000 per megawatt water use payments begin with an annual charge of $500 per 1,000 cubic meters of water license. If you boil that out to a bit more understandable, like we all understand liters more than we would probably uh, any cubic meters, it's around $0.05 cents a liter. And they are going to use a lot of this water. So I don't know where the breaking point would be for some of these companies to sign on or to proceed with their hopes to have a wind project come to pass and to find a market for the green hydrogen. But that is pretty inexpensive stuff for such a precious commodity. And, of course, I think the biggest concern that many have voiced already is that we don't even start collecting the royalty until the companies have recovered. Would there have been a way for a staggered or a... Uh, A royalty that comes in less at the beginning increases over time as the projects become more and more viable, proving themselves to be uh, sustainable in the long term, but that's what the province has come up with. There's also a crown land reserve fee, an annual charge of 3.5% of the market value of the reserve lands, and that would then go on to see an annual charge of 7% of the market value, so we do indeed have a fiscal framework in place for these wind projects, and, you know, the question is not only about environmental concerns, and there are many, but the big one th- at the very top of the list for money, if especially if it's not in your region, is what's in it for us? So it looks like we're going to create some value. And, of course, over the course of 30 years, if a project uh, lasts that long, $3.5, $3.5 billion to the province is nothing to sneeze at. But there's still some looming questions. That's the project and the framework that has been brought forward. If you want to take it on, we could absolutely do it this morning. And speaking of water and water damage, you wonder where the process is. The provincial government is quick to come to the aid of folks out on the southwest coast with post-tropical storm Fiona and the devastation left in its wake. So $30 million. But we're approaching five months since Fiona made landfall here, and still no money in the hands of folks who need to rebuild. There were some 100 plus homes that were completely uh, destroyed, uninhabitable. There were some 250 homes uh, suffered significant damage. But folks are wondering, you know, where are we? Where am I in the hierarchy or in the priority list? When can we assume some money is coming our way so that we can make plans for the future? We can go ahead and rebuild. People are shuffling between hotels, their friends' places, their sons' and daughters' homes. And five months later, I know there's nothing really simple in this world. It is probably relatively complicated to understand exactly how that money goes out. But folks are asking, and justifiably so, you know, when exactly are we going to get this promised help so that we can get on with it? And if anyone on the southwest coast would like to chime in this morning from Portobasco or anywhere else, we certainly welcome your call. All right. You know, I'd really like to know exactly what's being discussed between Premier Legault and Premier Fury. It is a big story, and there's a lot on the line. So... Lago made his way to the province last night, had dinner with the premier, and the meetings kick in, I suppose, this morning. Premier Fury has really sounded very confident that we're in a better place than we ever have been. We hold more cards and more levers than we have in the past. And then making references to Hydro Quebec's profits. So last year they posted a profit of 4.6 billion dollars. About a third of that goes right to a third of that comes from Churchill Falls. But this is not really new information, right? I mean, we all know the circumstances surrounding that contract. They get to buy the power at a very, very, very low rate, else sell it for a very, very, very high rate. So, of course, a lot of the profit comes from Churchill Falls. But what does that actually mean insofar as any leverage that we bring to these discussions? Not really sure a whole lot. I mean, we're just revisiting the same old conversation that's been happening since 1969, or at least when power started to spike in price. So the Premier thinks that makes us a bit more solid going into these discussions, negotiations, conversations, whatever they really are. So, you know, the essence of this is, what is actually being discussed? If it's just about redress for the Upper Churchill contract, or is it in addition to access to Quebec's transmission lines, whether it be for the development at Gull Island or whatever the case may be, people have the thought that maybe there's a need or a chance to see some financial repayment of money's lost since 1969. I don't know why that would happen. The province of Quebec has been quite firm on that. Every time it's been challenged in court, they were ready. They went to court with us, and they won every single time. So it would just be nice. And I don't know about needing to know every single detail that might compromise our commercial sensitivities, but what are we actually even talking about? You know, if it's simply about the Upper Churchill and an extension of the contract or some sort of maneuvers that could be made for the last 18 years of the contract to see more monies flow to this province, okay. But the discussions continue today, and you wonder what the update from the Premier might sound like later this evening. Whether it sounds something like this. Now formal negotiations will kick off immediately because of these initial high-level discussions. Or there's a standoff or an impasse. We don't know, but we're not even really sure exactly what they're talking about. But that's a big one, and there's a lot on the line there. And as mentioned, the 2041 report, the analysis of the commercial opportunities at the Upper Churchill, that report is in the hands of government, and I don't expect them to release that. But maybe just a better idea of exactly what's being discussed, what's on the table, because there's a lot that can indeed be considered. you want to take it on, you know what to do. All right. The tale of two voices once again. So... As mentioned yesterday, Premier Tom Osborne, or pardon me, Minister Osborne of Health and Community Services says that the recruitment efforts are bearing fruit, as the minister says. It doesn't really feel like that on the ground. Of course, we don't have a clear understanding of what's happened in the last six months necessarily. We know for the year past that there was a net loss of some seven family doctors, for instance. So whether it be the recruitment efforts in India for registered nurses in particular, or Ireland, or anywhere else, or the Come Home Year initiatives, The minister says it's working. Okay, how do we square that circle with comments coming from the president of the Registered Nurses Union, Yvette Coffey, saying that there are now 752 registered nurse vacancies in the province as of October of 2022. That's a 22% increase in vacancies from 615 in the previous April. So which is it? We're not bearing a whole lot of fruit if we've seen a 22% increase in vacancies for registered nurses. And that is a further complication and burden on the system. Because of these vacancies, there's some 200 long-term care beds sitting empty because nursing staff are not available to administer them. So what happens? People are lying in a hospital bed, in an acute care bed when they belong in a long-term care facility, to free up a bed for someone else who needs it in the hospital. That comes with a financial burden. It comes with an anxiety cost to the individual and their families. So that increase in the number of registered nurse vacancies is absolutely troubling. Then add to it. So the minister has also said that there will indeed be two obstetrics units in central Newfoundland, one in Gander, one in Grand Falls, Windsor. It's great to say that for the folks in the region. I'm sure they're breathing a sigh of relief, but with bated breath. Because staffing in Gander has long been a problem in that unit, and so it's great to say that they will have those services where they live, but until it gets staffed up appropriately and we don't see the frequent diversions that we've seen over the years, then it just remains a statement, as opposed to an actionable item where folks know that I'm pregnant and I don't have any worries. I just go to the hospital in Gander because I live in Gander. When we've seen that staffing issue be prolonged, in Gander particular for all those years. So it sounds great and we'll see where it goes. On the healthcare front, the province of Newfoundland and Labrador with the other Atlantic provinces and Ontario have agreed to the proposal made by the Trudeau Liberals regarding the healthcare transfer dollar. It's a deal in principle, you know, it sees an immediate flow of money and we can get into the money and how we think it should be spent. But of course, we just might end up with those monies being used in a bidding war. For the healthcare professionals which are in shortage in every single province in the country. Okay, a couple of quick ones here. So, we know that the legislative requirement to review the invocation of the Murcie's Act by the Prime Minister regarding the protests and the occupation or the whatever, the Freedom Convoy in Ottawa. Justice Rullo said that the threshold had been met. And, of course, did not give a free pass to the Prime Minister and or law, fo- law enforcement agencies and or Premier Ford and a bunch of different people. And Rouleau's absolutely right. Interestingly, he said quite clearly he did not have the mandate or the ability to make any legal judgment. There are still four pending cases that will be heard in federal court regarding the Emergencies Act. They happened in early April, so that tale has not fully been told. And this is the last one. How are we doing on the phone there, Greg? Let's get her going. So we've heard the report and some of the leaks coming that the Canadian uh, CSIS, the intelligence agency, says that there was absolutely Chinese interference in our most recent election. They were covertly funding candidates in the hope to see the Liberals have at least a minority government. So we've heard these stories. And we've got to ensure that the integrity of elections is carefully protected. We cannot go down this road of rigged elections, and no one's going to accept elections results. So there's going to be more and more ministers and Elections Canada officials brought forward to uh, testify as to what they knew, when they knew it, and what we're doing about it. But yesterday the Prime Minister said that there's some inaccuracies in the report, but did not tell us what was inaccurate in the report. So the only way to get to the bottom of this, it's one thing to have Senate committees and or parliamentary committees conduct these uh, interviews and for people to offer their Testimony at the committee. This is so important because we see the shenanigans south of the border about the inability for some to accept elections results, an independent inquiry. And I don't like doing that all the time because sometimes that feels like window dressing and unnecessary spend of money. But this is way, way too important to leave it in the hands of politicians who all have a vested interest here. This one absolutely belongs in the public sphere with a public inquiry and absolutely ensure that everything possible that can be done will be done to protect us against these hostile actors, whether it be China, Russia or whoever else. But if it happened, and we're pretty sure it did, so the Prime Minister needs to tell us what these inaccuracies are because it's fine enough to say it, but this is way too big a deal. Way too big a deal. All right, we're on Twitter. That's a big deal. For VOCM Open Line, follow us there. Email address is VOCM.com. My favorite is when you pick up the phone and give us a shout. Do that during this break. Don't go away.
1: VOCM's Open Line. Call now. 273-5211 or 1-888-590-VOCM.
0: A settlement has been reached in the class action lawsuit for residents of the boys' homes and girls' homes in Whitburn and Pleasantville who are sexually assaulted, placed in detention while naked, or beaten while naked. A settlement fund of $12.5 million is available for compensation and to cover the legal costs. If you were there between 1973 and 1989, please call More Smart and More Lawyers at 747-0077. Visit our website at nfldsexualabuseclassaction.ca or email inquiry at nfldsexualabuseclassaction.ca.
15: Hungry? I could eat. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? Lunch at Marie's Mini Mart?
20: You betcha. If you're craving a quick lunch, Marie's Mini Mart is a must-stop. Sandwiches, subs, and wraps made fresh daily. Cold plates, turkey flips, garden and pasta salads, plus snacks, drinks, and baked goods. Marie's Mini Mart is your local corner store and go-to lunch store.
11: This was a great idea.
20: Mm. Mm-hmm. Marie's Mini Mart, your neighborhood store for over 40 years.
15: You already know that Powers is the place to go when you want doors, windows, trim, and flooring. But right now, Powers has the largest supply of interior Seco paint they've had in quite some time. Seco paint may be the quickest way to change the look of a room. And at Power Brothers on Ropewalk Lane, they make it easy. Get all your custom colors for 2023 in eggshell, pearl, and semi-gloss for a fraction of the retail cost. Every day is a sale day at Powers on Ropewalk Lane.
20: Call 722-1720. Callen Services specializes in family-based care, and they're seeking compassionate individuals and families who are willing to open up their homes to provide a safe, loving, and nurturing environment to young people within Newfoundland and Labrador. So, does your heart have room for one more? If so, visit callenservicesnl.ca for more information on how you can help and to learn about the high level of support they provide for family-based carers. Callen Services, a world where equal opportunity exists for all children.
21: Hi, I'm Jake Rideout with Newfoundland Power. Make sure you keep safety top of mind when you're having fun this winter. Electricity is everywhere you go, even when you're off the beaten path, so you must always be aware of your surroundings. When snowmobiling, avoid power line rights-of-way and be cautious around guy wires and poles that can be harder to see in winter. And please talk to your children about the dangers of electricity and the no-go areas. Newfoundland Power, whenever, wherever, We'll be there.
14: At the Nissan Institute of Thrillology, we're taking winter to the limit. Today, we're pushing the Pathfinder's eight seat capacity with our whole Polar Bear Dip Club. (laughs) Ah! Such a great tradition. During the Nissan Test at the Thrill Event, lease the 2023 Pathfinder at $699 monthly for 64 months. Inventory available now. SL at 5.99% with 3,490
22: down. Conditions apply open line is brought to you by james and nosworthy licensed insolvency trustee it's okay to hit a financial rough patch and it's okay to get help this is open line on vocm
19: and welcome back to the show let's begin on the top of the board line number one good morning roger you're on the air
23: good morning sir uh, i'd like to talk about the windmills that are installed and how much country they're going to destroy and and uh... life and then take away or uh, give their water the rights water around it. Uh, uh, can you explain to me what it all means, what happens here, what they do, uh, are they losing their water rates
19: or... Is who losing the, the water rights? I don't really know what you mean by that.
23: Well they say their, they got the water rates, there, uh, the water is uh, something to do with the windmills and they're going to have the rights up the water.
19: Well they're going to have access to water and the for the specific of World Energy GH2, the water that they'll be using has long been an industrial or commercial reservoir of water. The concern, I think, on the waterfront is just how little they're paying for access to it. But I don't think it's a water rights issue, necessarily. Like, we don't lose our rights to control that water. If that's what you're asking, I'm just make sure I'm on the right track here, Roger.
23: Yes, sir. Yeah, that's what I was looking for. I'm wondering if that is, that's the point or not. Do we lose the rights up the water? Yeah.
19: Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest concern is, uh, you know, access to water is one thing, but, you know, we've got to get our fair compensation for access to our water, which is absolutely one of the most precious commodities on the face of the earth. It really, truly is. So that's the concern I have uh, that I would have. On top of that, we don't even start to get any of those royalty payments until the companies have recovered their capital, which could be a long way down the road. With World Energy, I think there are three phases. If they're talking about some $10, $12 billion. That's a long time to recover all of that before we get our look in. So what happens if their market in Germany or anywhere else dries up? Then what? We may, in worst-case scenario, not get anything for the water. So, yeah, a bunch of concerns there.
23: Uh, I... I do think is a big mistake. We don't need to win uh, It's Destroying the country is going to destroy a lot of birds and wildlife. I don't think we should go along with it. And uh, that's my opinion. Now, why not keep what we got the country? Uh, we got enough power coming through. We can get more power. We need it from water and of sticking the high sores up. to cut down to the logging companies cut down most uh, wood that's in the country and destroyed it through the years. Now, they want to stick the windmills around and give away all this land on a leash, uh, whatever, and uh, put all this money into another project that's uh, not going to work for us, I don't think.
19: Just a couple of things on that. those comments. Um, it, the wind turbines are not for power for us. The plan and the proposals are all for export of power. So it's not that we need the power, so we're doing wind. So that's one thing. Number two, the province has consistently said no provincial monies will go into supporting these projects. So we're not paying for it. What is the, the issues regarding environmental concerns are absolutely real. Like even if we talk about just how the turbines themselves have changed. Adam from Vermeuse, the caller called about Vermeuse, which has about 27 megawatts of power being generated by those turbines. Those turbines are about 85 meters tall. The ones proposed by World Energy in your neck of the woods are 200 meters tall. So we're talking about an entirely different kindle of fish, about the scope and the scale and the impact on the environment. And especially when you know you just have those few handfuls of turbines up the southern shore, At minimum, we're talking 164 turbines on the Port of Port Peninsula. The project being proposed in Central by the Exploits Group, that's some 300 turbines, so we are talking about pretty massive projects. Now, if there is a big return, like the minister yesterday said, in a 1,000-megawatt project, even just based on water alone, over the course of 30 years, would see $3.5 billion uh, flow to the province. That's significant money. The crowd out in Central say that 2,000 jobs in the construction phase, 500 permanent jobs... Hydrogen will absolutely be one of the transition fuels, so there's an argument about getting it on the ground floor, being part of the, the birth of this industry, because we have the water and the wind and the deep water ports and the proximity to the markets in Europe, so there's a lot of upsides to this, but it's easy enough to, for me to say, because there's no wind turbines going in my, in my region, there's none proposed around here, mostly because it's a pretty congested area in the Northeast Avalon, so there's lots of upsides, but the questions being asked, I think, are also fair.
23: Yeah, I, uh, also, I uh, don't think you should put them in and destroy Newfoundland. Newfoundland, it's a beautiful place. You're destroying Newfoundland to make someone else rich. To me, I don't think we should. That's my opinion of it.
19: I appreciate you sharing your opinion on the show, Roger. Thanks for the call.
23: And thank you for filling me in on the proper information I need to know.
19: That no problem. Thank you. Have a
23: good day. Thank you.
19: You too, Roger. Bye-bye. Bye. Yeah, I mean... Again, I really do think that a lot of these big questions stem from the fact that most of us, including me, not really 100% sure how these projects look and feel, and the big, whether it be economic upside to the people of the province. And again, to use Minister Parsons' example of a 1,000 megawatt project, 30 years, $3.5 billion, is substantial. There's no way that the entirety of the 1.7 million hectares of of crown land is going to be used. I mean... There's no way that all 31 of the proposals that are now on the desk of the minister, and they've actually extended the deadline from March 3rd to March 23rd for these evaluations and for project proposals to be submitted. The environmental concerns, fair ball. I mean, who's to deny someone that fair concern with what happens to their region and what does need to be done for the installation of these turbines, whether it be the 164 in the port of port Peninsula or 300 in Central. But the economic upsides, and for some of these regions... You know, this could be a big deal, a big savior. Cause God knows that whether it be in Botwood to restore that sorta of shuttered port to a hub for shipping hydrogen off to wherever the market is that they can attract, and or in Port of Port Peninsula, where, you know, I'm sure there's some people who I think the consensus out there is that people tell me that the majority are opposed to it. But you got to believe that some people in their quiet moments who either have a son or a daughter or them, they themselves wouldn't mind having a job working in that particular industry. So I think the debate still continues to move ahead, and we're happy to have those conversations here on the program. But, of course, anything you want to talk about is exactly what I want to talk about right after this break. Don't go away.
1: VOCM's Open Line. Call now. Two seven three fifty two eleven or one eight 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 five ninety vocm
6: Celebrate St. Patrick's Day with Shanny Ganock live at Marble Mountain, March 17th. Back for 2023, party with Shanny Ganok and friends at the Naughty Pine Lounge. A born and bred, and will be one till I die. Get your tickets today at SkiMarble.com or at the Marble Mountain office. Must be 19 or older. Western Newfoundland's largest St. Paddy's Day party. Shani Ganock live at Marble Mountain, March 17th. Sponsored by Molson Coors, Luxury Limos, Provincial Airlines, Nissan Quora Brook, and Marble Mountain.
4: I'm Jillian Ryan, registered audiologist at New Life Hearing. Do you strain to hear a conversation, think people mumble, misunderstand conversations, or ask
9: for words to be repeated? Are you having trouble hearing the TV, radio, or listening on the phone? Have ringing in your ears? Current recommendations suggest a hearing test before the age of 55.
11: Take action today towards improving your quality of life and contact the audiologists of New Life Hearing at 800-7343 or at newlifehearing.ca. Your journey to better
15: hearing starts at New Life. At TradesNL, their goal is to aid in the building of prosperity in our province. They represent thousands of highly trained, diverse, safe, and highly productive working tradespersons in the Newfoundland and Labrador building and construction industry. It's thanks to their vision that so many Newfoundlanders and Labradorians are forging pride and professionalism in the trades through training and lifelong career opportunities. For quality construction and labor solutions, TradesNL is here for you. Combat rising heating costs. Make the switch to a Dakin heat pump
8: or mini split with Coal Air Contracting. voted St. John's Best 3-Rated HVAC Services. Install now and enjoy no payments until 2024. In-house financing and government rebate programs available, including up to $10,000 on oil furnace swap outs. Right now, get no interest and no payments till 2024 on all Dakin products. Coal Air Contracting, 100% locally owned and operated. Call 727-2680 to book a quote or visit
14: ColeAirContracting.ca.
5: Hi, it's Mark here from Cowan's Optical. Come in and see for yourself why Cowan's Optical is your number one choice for all your eye care needs. Start with booking your eye exam today or just bring in your current prescription, no matter where you had your eye exam. Choose from our huge selection of the latest fashion frames. Need a second pair? No problem. We got you covered there, too, with our two-for-one offer. Check out cowansoptical.ca to find a location near you. Cowan's Optical, where our focus is on you. Row for Heart is back. The Healthcare Foundation needs
8: your help to advance cardiac care right here at home. Join us February 26th at Capital Hyundai for Row for Heart, an exciting indoor rowing and fundraising challenge. Register a team of four to ten friends or coworkers and row the distance for improved cardiac care. Help us purchase important medical equipment for the one in three Newfoundlanders and Labradorians who will be impacted by cardiac disease. Register your Row for Heart team or donate today at healthcarefoundation.ca. This is Open Line
1: on
19: VOCM. Welcome back to the show. Let's go to line number two. Marie, you're on the air. Good morning.
24: morning. Uh, The reason why I'm calling, Patty, uh, is about our health care. I'm really concerned at what's going on with uh, the back surgeries. Uh, There doesn't seem to be anything going on there. Like, my sister's been waiting. This is going close to nine months Uh, for her back surgery, and I don't think that uh, uh, we should have a system where a person is waiting that long to get in to get a back surgery. I mean...
19: Last time we spoke, you told me that nobody was getting a back surgery, and I found out after that they are being performed. Uh, In fact, someone who I know, their father had a back surgery, they told me about that day after they heard you on the phone with me. So I guess some are happening, but... The issue regarding wait times and backlogs and whether or not there's a shortage of orthopedic surgeons, that would be the looming question, but they are indeed continuing to do surgeries on the back.
25: Well, uh,
24: so you looked into it, and yeah. they are doing the back surgery?
19: Yeah, well, someone th- the same day that you and I last spoke, a yeah. friend of mine whose father lives on the west coast of the province, he was in St. John's, had just had his back surgery that very day. So it was just curious that after our call, I got that piece of information.
24: Yeah, because what I don't understand, Patty, like they're saying, they're telling me she's on the top of the list, and uh, this is going, this is going on now for nine months, and it don't seem the list don't seem like the list is moving, right? And I I don't understand that. Uh, she should have she should have gotten a call by now saying that her back surgery is coming up.
19: I mean, I understand the concern. I don't know really what to say to it because. You know the numbers of people that are waiting for one procedure or another, from cardiac care all the way through hip and knee replacement, back surgeries, or anything else under the sun. The wait times seem to be longer than they have in the past. That's one thing I think we all uh, we all feel or see.
17: Yeah, but uh, like I, I, I've
24: I've uh, exhausted myself, calling numbers and even call my uh, my MP and all that, and uh, you know um, it it don't seem to be. Uh, accomplishing anything like nobody seems to know why uh, it's like it's uh, all come to a stop
19: well all i can say to that is i sure hope that your sister gets the call as soon as possible so what's the state for health now is she in uh, constant pain is she immobile or what's going on
24: yes yes patty most definitely she's in constant pain I mean, uh, they put her on a steroid, and the steroid, like I uh, explained, drove her sugar levels up to uh, 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 3.3, 33.6, and uh, she had to come off them. Now she's on nothing. She's only on a bit of Tylenol. But uh, like I told her, uh, uh, you know, she's going to have to get back to her doctor to get uh, something else uh, for the pain because of what she's... and, And, you know, Patty... It's all right for me to say that, but you can't even get in to see your doctor. I mean, uh, it's crazy what's going on. Like here, you got a person that's in tremendous pain, got to go up and wait in the emergency room for about uh, eight, eight to ten hours to get in to get in to see him and uh, to get something for pain. Like it don't make sense to me what's going on in our healthcare.
19: Like I said, I hope she gets her help uh, as soon as possible, and pass along best wishes for me to your sister, will you, Marie?
24: I will, Patty, and God bless. And I, I just hope that, like, more people will take the initiative to call into your show and uh, try to figure out what's going on, because uh, it seems like this waiting period is way, way too long for people to to tolerate the pain they're in, right? Understood. And, uh, you know, I, I just hope that other callers will take the initiative to call in and express their views on it because uh, it's like it's it's almost like it's come to a complete stop.
19: I appreciate the time, Marie. Good luck.
24: Uh, God bless you, Patty. Take care. You have a great day.
19: You too. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, so there's been all kinds of support programs, rebates and subsidies to change the way we heat our homes. And What's become quite popular are the mini splits and the heat pumps and the like. But the cold weather gives some people some pause or cause for concern as to how effective or efficient that their newly installed unit will be when it's as cold as it is today here in around town. And, you know, even when we get into the temperatures we're seeing in the Lab West, minus 56 with the windchill. Let's go to line number one, see what we can expect with our new heat, heat pumps or mini splits. And it's a single hello to Glenn Upshaw. He's the owner of Cold Air Contracting. About those units. Good morning, Glenn. You're on the air.
25: Morning,
26: Paddy. How you doing, sir?
19: Best kind. How about you?
26: Good, good. Uh, Paddy, you're looking for what to expect out uh, of performance of the heat pumps uh, for the weekend? Yeah, pretty much, because, uh, you know, at, uh,
19: the best part about my mini-split is in the warm temperatures in the summer to b- uh, blow some cool air into the home, but there are some concerns about where it is at, at your house and whether it gets blocked with snow, and yes, what the impact of these frigid temperatures would be. What can you tell us?
26: Uh, well, with the... Uh, there's different brands. Some brands are good till uh, minus 15, and some other brands are good to minus 25, and some to 30. So, what's going to end up happening the weekend is they're going to have to go and defrost cycle a lot more to keep themselves thawed out. So, uh, you're going to get some brands that are not going to perform. And uh, my suggestion for this weekend is to, uh, if you're at your heat pump set on 21, probably put your baseboard heaters on like 19 or 20, and that'll help maintain the temperature to get through the weekend.
19: So is there a risk of hurting your unit or what have you with these cold temperatures? Is there something, you know, a benchmark or a threshold where we know maybe we're getting nothing from them or we potentially will damage them or what have you when we get into the minus 30s of windchill?
26: No, you're not going to damage them in any way. Uh, They're just going to go into defrost and uh, actually some of the lower-end units, they will just shut off and not perform at all, so... If they get down to the temperature, they'll just shut themselves off and not perform.
19: Yeah, and this is not in the uh, form of trying to sell anybody on a heat pump or what have you. But one thing, you know, all of these things come with an upfront cost. Now, there are some rebate and subsidy programs from different levels of government, which can be very, very helpful. But the thought there is yep. when you make the transition, it's cost recovery. So whether you move away from oil to electricity in full or whether you install a mini-split or a heat pump, how long does it take people to recover their money? And, you know, let's go with both, both mini-split and heat pump. And what differences there might be?
26: You're, you're probably looking at about an average of about four to five years to recover your uh, your investment. Uh, and some brands, I mean, they have great warranties as well, which are like 12 years. But uh, yeah, and like on a central heat pump system over oil, uh, you're probably going to save yourself between 40 to 60% over the cost of oil right now. So it's a great savings on them.
19: Yeah. I mean, I, I love mine. And like I say, I'm not trying to sell anybody on a heat pump because it's none of my business what people do with their hard-earned money. Just describe some of the support pro- uh, programs that are out there. You know, every now and then I throw out the name of your company when people ask me about these uh, these uh, units. And, you know, I'll add to it a uh, heat pump solutions or whoever's out there. And then you'll help walk people yeah. through these programs and subsidies and stuff. What's out there for, to support people who are considering this t- type of move?
26: Uh, right now, the federal government still has the uh five thousand dollars off uh the central heat pump system and the uh triple head mini split and uh the provincial government their oil one uh five thousand dollars is just ending but we 're waiting to hear what they're going to put in this place so it 's not out yet but we're expecting it soon and uh yeah so that's it and they um the federal government does pay for your energy audit as well. A lot of people are concerned about that, but uh, they do pay for the uh, $600 for your energy audit as well. So
19: Appreciate the time this morning, Glenn. People might have been thinking, you know, what's that cold weather going to mean for my new unit? Because for some people, this will be the first winter with the heat bumper mini-split. Yep. Uh, anything else you want to tell us before we say goodbye?
26: uh i just like to let people know that i mean in storms and stuff conditions like that you need to really make sure they're being shoveled out uh, after the storm and if we're having like 50 60 centimeters sometimes it's a good idea actually to turn them off and cover them over for uh for like deep snows like 50 centimeters or more
19: good to have you on glenn thank you all right take care bye-bye glenn Upshaw, the owner of coal air contracting so i guess there's some self-protection they go into defrost mode or some of the lesser expensive units may indeed just simply shut themselves off But that's always a helpful reminder. Now, we might not need to consider it this weekend because no big snow in the offing. But make sure it's shoveled out so you don't damage what is something that many of us are relying on. And I'm enjoying the mini splits, I have to say. All right, let's see. Uh, Let's go ahead and take a break. When we come back, the topic is entirely up to you. Don't go away.
1: VOCM's open line. Call now. 273-5211 or 1-888-590-VOCM.
15: Some nights you just want to let loose, hang out with your pals and fam, enjoy some good food, and get into some shenanigans. When that mood strikes, and you know it strikes a lot these days, head over to Shenanigans in CBS. Whether it's lunch or dinner, or you want to have that night out with the kids, head over to Shenanigans. Oh, did we mention it's the perfect place to book your private function, which includes a spectacular view of Conception Bay. For more details on menu, delivery, pickup, live shows, or rentals, visit ShenanigansCBS.com.
8: Excellence has always been important to me. By joining McGilvery Law, I'm working with a team that is committed to being the best at what they do. Until now, I worked as a lawyer for big insurance. I often fought against McGilvery Law. They were a tough and able opponent. If you need a dedicated firm to represent you in an injury or insurance case, without question, it's McGilvery Law.
11: McGilvery Injury and Insurance Law, Atlantic Canada's trusted name for injury and disability
4: cases. Home improvements can get expensive, but a visit to Habitat for Humanity Restore can help save some money. They're a thrift store that focuses solely on home improvement items like appliances, building supplies, doors and windows, and more. Many local businesses donate items, so they often have brand new product and high quality used items priced well below retail. Plus the inventory changes daily, so you're sure to find something for every budget. The Habitat for Humanity Restore is open to the public, so visit them today at 323 Kenmount Road.
10: This is Sylvia. She snores. A lot. Next to her is Phil, her husband. He whistles through his teeth when he sleeps. They sleep well because they invest well with NLCU. They don't worry about the future. Their retirement solution is in good hands with NLCU. Does Phil need dental work? Absolutely. Does Sylvia need treatment for sleep apnea? Quite possibly. But their retirement plan is dreamy thanks to NLCU. Call us and sleep well.
21: Hi, I'm Jake Rideout with Newfoundland Power. Make sure you keep safety top of mind when you're having fun this winter. Electricity is everywhere you go, even when you're off the beaten path, so you must always be aware of your surroundings. When snowmobiling, avoid power line rights-of-way and be cautious around guy wires and poles that can be harder to see in winter. And please talk to your children about the dangers of electricity and the no-go areas. Newfoundland Power, whenever wherever we'll be there
10: at toyota our vehicles have always had quality and capability built right in because sometimes the middle of nowhere is exactly where you want to go quality means everything to us because it means everything to you go anywhere you want to go with confidence in the wildly popular 2023 tacoma 4x4 Visit shoptoyota.ca or your Atlantic Toyota dealer today. It's time to Toyota. This is Open Line
1: on VOCM.
19: And welcome back. Let's go. Line number one, Trina, you're on the air. Hi, Trina, on line number one.
27: Sorry, I thought I was line number five. <laughs>
19: no, nope, you're all good. You're on the air. Go right ahead.
27: Okay. Yeah, no, I wanted to talk about the uh, rebate programs for um, retrofits, particularly heat pumps. Yep. Um, I've applied for both the Newfoundland Hydro and um, the Greener Homes um, Initiative, uh, the Federal Greener Homes Initiative. Um, both of them are, you know, they're not as straightforward as it may seem. They they advertise, obviously, that saying that, these are things that you can take advantage of, but you, you have to jump through hoops that are the size of the eye of a needle, in order to get you know approved for these, and um, it's just it's just taken all my time to to make sure all the documents are in, all the quotes are gotten, you know um, you know what what you burn in oil, what you don't burn in oil, it, it's just it's crazy at the amount of information that's required for both of these rebates.
19: Well, I think that's that's the, probably the same uh, the same protocols and process and frustration and time consumption with virtually every program administered, whether it be by the province or the federal government. Absolutely.
27: Yeah, and the federal government ju- not just offers you can uh, you can qualify for a grant. So I qualified for the five thousand dollar grant. There's also a non-interest loan that you can apply for, but you can't get it or apply for it until you've been approved for the grant. So it's just now I've applied for the interest-free loan just to cover off the costs that are not covered by the rebate. And there's where I'm running into, like, you know, it's going to need 30 days for it to be reviewed. And, you know, it's I'm under the timeline because Hydro wants you to get your work finished by the 15th and everything submitted by the 15th. You can't start work if you want the loan until the loan is approved. So I'm in this, like, you know time crunch sort of thing and trying to get things uh, approved um and done um you know in the time that they they want you to do it
19: yeah they've got some pretty optimistic timelines when it's not quite as simple as they might think it is so you're let me make sure i got this straight you've applied for the interest-free loan but did you also apply for and you are you eligible for the up to five hundred thousand dollars for the retrofit or the refit
27: the $5,000, uh, yes, apparently I'm, I'm approved for that, the federal one and the hydro one, uh, but it still doesn't cover the cost of a heat pump.
19: Not in full, no, of course not.
27: No. It's no, no. going
19: to be some come out of pocket. But I guess, you know, for folks who have made the move and probably before this year, the cost recovery model seems to be pretty sound. I know that we are saving in our own home with just a mini split versus a ducted heat pump. So I think there's an upside to it, even for just complimentary heat, right? And like no, I said to, defi- sorry, go ahead.
27: Yeah, I, most definitely I'm, I'm, you know, pardon the pun, I'm pumped <laughs> to get my heat pump. Um, it's just, like I said, the timeline stressed me out a little bit. <laughs> and and, and the, the process itself was not an easy process. You know, they touted it as being, oh, get this and it's going to be great. And I'm, I'm sure it's going to be great. It's just that doing the what you have to do to get it and be approved for it is not an easy process at all.
19: It never is. But I appreciate the uh, the call here this morning, Trina, and hopefully this all comes to pass before the deadline goes away.
27: Uh, uh, yeah, I hope so, too. Thank you very much.
19: You're welcome. Take care. Bye. All right, bye-bye. So in addition to the $5,000 in that Canada Greener Homes grant, there's actually additional monies beyond $5,000 for pre and post retrofit evaluations. So you get the company to come in, do the initial assessment. After it's installed, they come back in and do whatever kind of check is required at that point. So there's another, I think it's 600 bucks available on that front to help cover your costs. Let's go to line number two. Cindy, you're on the air. Hi, Cindy.
28: Hi, how are you today?
19: Very well. How about you?
28: Not too bad. I, I wanted to call in in response to Marie and her sister who's on the wait, wait list for her back surgery. Mm-hmm. And uh, she said something about having to wait nine months. Um, I, I mean, I just wanted to quickly call in and say that 23 years ago I had invasive cancer and I also had to wait nine months at that time to get surgery. And, uh, and so I don't think it's a it's a you know, right now, type of thing that's going on. Actually, what I think is going on is that the aging population now, you're going to see more and more people into the system waiting for ser- services and surgeries and stuff like that. But 23 years ago, I had to wait nine months as well, you know, for a life saving surgery. So I just wanted to put that out there that, you know, everybody's on a wait list and sometimes it's longer than. Than it should be yes i agree but it's not anything new it's not anything that has you know that hasn't we haven't seen before
19: you know what i mean i do you know there's lots of complications depending on the type of procedure you're waiting for of course when you're talking about a life-saving procedure for cancer that's one thing and then the problems that start to pop up when you're waiting for say a hip replacement a knee replacement or a back surgery or what have you is a buddy of mine who was waiting for a, a knee replacement And it's bad. And you can see the pain in the man's face. He really needs this done yesterday. And he's been waiting a fair while for it. But now all of a sudden, his hip is gone because of the limp that he's got. So Mm -hmm. it starts to get further complications. That's why the wait list is not only about your own frustration or the fact you might be living in constant pain. You might be hurting something else because you are trying to adjust or to accommodate your sore knee or your sore hip or your sore back. So, yeah, the wait lists are real. And hopefully, absolutely. the outcome doesn't mean that all of a sudden I needed just one procedure done, and because I waited a year for that procedure, and maybe I need something else done as well, because I've, you know, as my buddy has, he thinks he's ruined his hip because of he, the way he's trying to accommodate his knee.
28: I, absolutely. I, I agree. I mean, you know, your, your whole uh, way of walking is adjusted because you have a bad knee. So, of course, it's going to affect something else. But I mean, what I'm saying is that, you know, with invasive cancer, of course, that's going to spread if you're not there. Fast enough, absolutely. But I mean, I, I was still put on a nine-month wait list twenty-three years ago. Now I'm twenty-three years free, cancer-free, but and you know, uh, but I still had to wait that nine months. Now, whether or not I, it would, eh, if I had waited any longer, it would have killed me, you know, because it was invasive.
19: So, but, what, what, just kind of tell us about that nine months. So, not only what it meant in your mind, your emotions, and frustration, but how much, how more much more severe. And how far did the cancer spread in those nine months?
28: The cancer had uh, was invasive. It had spread. Uh, it, it was, you know, it was cervical cancer. I'm not afraid to come out and say it. And it would have spread right into the uterus and everywhere else and bones and what else if it hadn't been taken it. So it had to have been surgically removed, which was called a radical I of still a young woman and, you know, still childbearing years. Uh, and if it hadn't been uh, taken care of, When it did, it would have, uh, you know, and the pathology report came back and said, yes, the margins of the cancer had spread.
19: Well, I'm glad you're here 23 years later to give us a call to tell us about your own experience. Anything else you want to say, Cindy?
28: No, that's it. That's just wanted to call call in, and I hope Cindy's uh, sister do do get her back surgery. And and I'm sure there's lots of other people out there on a wait list. So you know, all we can do is wait. That's what else can we do, really?
19: Yeah, I I think what makes it a little bit more difficult to navigate is it's the unknown, isn't it? If you're told that well, the wait list it looks like maybe. This time next week, or it'll be done for sure by this date. Now, there's always going to be emergencies pop in, and an emergency room or emergency room, uh, th- pardon me, operating theaters that are needed for X, Y, or Z. But mm-hmm. when people have no earthly idea where they stand, no comprehensible idea or date where they might anticipate getting in, as opposed to be well, it might be today, it might be next week, it might be. There. And for others, they haven't even heard from their healthcare professional. They haven't spoken with their surgeon. They don't know where they stand in the waitlist. Yeah. I think that makes it just a little bit more Absolutely. traumatic.
28: It does. And it's, uh, you know, and, and the mental health that that it affects as well. You know, it's it's like a roller coaster ride. You're up and down. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know. You're, you're waiting day by day. You know, you're on edge or you're all the time at the head, at the edge of your seat, literally waiting for that phone to ring. And, 100%. and when it doesn't ring at the end of the day, you know, it, it affects your mental health that little bit more every day, like it chips away at it.
19: It sure. certainly does. I appreciate the time this morning, Cindy. I hope you're doing well.
28: I am doing well, and thank you for taking my call. My you pleasure. have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
19: Uh, let's keep going. Uh, let's go to line number three. Dion Slaney, you're on the air.
29: Good morning, Mr. Daly. How
19: are you this morning? Grand. I'm doing grand. How about you?
29: That's excellent, my buddy. Good. Uh, thanks for taking my call this morning, Patty. Uh I just wanted to uh, get in touch with uh, you guys this morning, as well as your listeners, obviously, to... Uh, I guess, promote an uh, event that we're having here at the CNIB uh, located at 70 The Boulevard down by Kitty Bitty Lake uh, next Tuesday morning, actually, Patty, uh, at 11 a.m. Uh, it's, it's basically it's going to be a uh, tech demo. And what I mean by tech demo is we're going to have some uh, high-end uh, devices brought in uh, to uh, display to our, I guess, participants and, and, and uh, clients, whatever the case may be, Uh, As it relates to people with low vision or no vision, Patty, uh, I guess I'll give you the Coles Notes version of what we're going to demo. We have a – there is a device out there called the OrCam. It's basically a uh, camera that fits on your glasses uh, or even you can just – if you don't wear glasses, the glasses come with it. Uh, It's basically text-to-speech. It has facial recognition. Uh, it can read stuff out. Uh, whatever you point the camera in the direction of it, it's all done through an app on your phone, and of course, broadcast it through headphones for for privacy and that kind of things. So that's one thing, and we got another device coming in called the uh, Connect 12, which is a device that can read. Uh, say, if you're in the back of a classroom for for a child or a student, uh, it could take pictures of what's on the screen and could put it onto, I guess, documents. Uh, and again, that could all be read out to you. And um, what else we're we doing? We got a uh, we got a, a digital magnifier as well, called the Compact 10. We're going to be doing a demo on that. That's a digital magnifier that you can just contrast and those kind of things. And the last one that we're going to be doing is um, is a new addition to a to an older app actually called Seeing AI that uh, helps you map out and navigate indoor spaces. Actually, so if you're unfamiliar with uh, say, the health science, for example, like I'm, I am, uh, you can walk through the building, uh, set different points, and uh, when you go back the next time, your phone will actually help you navigate the building step-by-step step to get you to your final destination.
19: Very cool. So you talk about this being high-tech. It's cool to see it being displayed and demonstrated. How accessible is it to clients at the CNIB like, insofar as cost or what have you?
29: Uh, well, unfortunately, Patty, right now we don't have a assistive uh, devices program like a lot of provinces do in Canada. And, of course, us here at CNIB are advocating and uh, lobbying government for that for a while now, and, and talks are still ongoing. Uh, some things, uh, some of the higher-end product wearables are a little bit expensive, but there are people there that have low vision and stuff that really can afford these things. Uh, like the app, for example, that I was speaking about, that's actually free. And the digital magnifier, uh, I think that's reasonably priced. I think that's somewhere around maybe four or $500. But uh, for like, students and things like that that might need it, uh, I-, I think it's great that we can at least showcase it and uh, let our clients and participants know that uh, these things actually exist because, oddly enough, a lot of people don't.
19: Absolutely. So uh, do I have to register to come down for the demonstration or can I just show up?
29: uh we'd like people to register for for obvious reasons uh just to see what our numbers are going to be for capacities for the uh conference room uh you can have people contact me at the, my email it's Dion, deon Dot slaney s l a n e y @ c n i b ca or you can certainly give me a call at 754 1180 extension
19: 5812 5812 what were the f- uh the first three? Was it 754-1180?
29: 754-1180
19: Got yep. it. Okay, I just jotted it down in case someone asks me. And so, once again, it's Tuesday morning. What time?
29: Tuesday morning. It starts at 11 a.m., and it's going to run for two hours.
19: Thanks for this, Dion. Good luck with it.
29: Excellent. Thanks, Patty, for your time.
19: You're welcome. Bye-bye. It's Dion Slaney from the CNIB. All right, let's take a break for the news. But I didn't bring it up off the top, but I'm happy to keep it on the front burner. And the looming question is, where is Stella? What is going on at the RNC to see the cancellation of those two mental health support programs, whether it be the equine therapy and absolutely for uh, Constable Christoph Hagen and Stella, the Portuguese water dog, that has become a vital member of the community regarding mental health supports. Whether it be in the schools with the DARE program, whether it be for the not-for-profits or charitable organizations and or in the courtroom dealing with uh, victims of sexual assault as they await verdicts being read or what have you, Stella is important. I mean, don't take my word for it. The Canadian Mental Health Association gave Krista Fagan and Stella an award back in 2021. Why? Because the work they're doing is important, and it's proven to be very beneficial. So where's Stella. We can talk about it. Let's take a break for the news. Don't go away. You're listening to the VOCM Big Land FM
1: radio network, Stingray radio stations. Local news now, a VOCM news update. This news is presented by Rogers Rogers Moise Lawyers. They stand for you. Call 722-3777. Rogers
2: Rogers Moise. Just a shade after 10 o'clock, mainly cloudy and, uh, metro in Metro and minus 15 degrees now. Good morning. I'm Brian Medore. Mayor of Bonavista providing an encouraging update on ER services at the local hospital. John Norman says... Most of the ER shifts at the Bonavista Hospital are covered for March and staffing situation for April also looking positive, he says. After working closely with Eastern Health and the health minister, they now have four newly funded positions for Bonavista, including two more nurse practitioners and two more family physicians. That's in addition to the traditional physician and nurse practitioner positions that previously covered the ER and family clinics. Positions have been posted and once filled will result in the highest staffing levels ever seen at the Bonavista Hospital. The hospital has locum coverage for March and April. Some physicians are in discussions with the possibility of being signed full-time. What a night it was for Dawson Mercer, Bay Roberts. With the Devils trailing the Los Angeles Kings 2 nothing in the second period, Mercer set up Thomas Tatar to get them on the board and then scored his 17th to tie it 2-2. Kings took the lead in the third, but New Jersey tied it with 40 seconds left. Mercer then went to work, scoring the OT winner halfway through the frame. He was named the game's first star. It was also Mercer's 140th consecutive game, tying Scott Gomez's team record. An exciting opening week for Team NL at the Canada Winter Games in Charlottetown. The team's first gold medal won Wednesday in men's trampoline, by 18-year-old, Gleb Eskimi, he's uh, the, from Campia Gymnastics in Mount Pearl. Chef de Mission for Team NL, Tom Godden, says Gleb's gold, a big boost for the entire team.
30: It was really encouraging to see a lot of the other teams. We had biathletes there. We had the other parts of the gymnastics team. We had several sports who came to the venue to watch Gleb compete. And I can tell you the stadium was alive with lots of Newfoundland fans and lots of Newfoundland athletes cheering Gleb on.
2: Provincial government providing close to a million dollars over three years for Laughing Heart Music Limited to implement a workforce development plan in the music sector in Cornerbrook. That funding being made available through the Federal Provincial Labor Market Transfer Agreement Laughing Heart Music will hire four staff to deliver programs essential to develop and sustain a thriving music sector in the region. The aim is to benefit both emerging and established music professionals with access to new programs, workshops, mentorship and studio space. The work will be carried out through uh, 62 Broadway in Cornerbrook. It's being described as a burgeoning arts hub. Six minutes after 10. Up next, I'll have your weather forecast. You've been injured in an auto accident. 120 days have passed and you haven't
0: filed a claim yet. If you think you're out of time, don't worry. The lawyers at Rogers Rogers Moise can help. You can still receive a settlement even if your accident occurred more than 120 days ago. Call the experts at Rogers Rogers Moise to get your claim back on track. Call 722-3777. Rogers, Rogers Moise. We stand for you. This
8: VOCM weather brought to you by Cowan's Optical. We care about the health of your eyes. Eye exams now available Monday to Saturday. Call 722-EYES to book your appointment.
2: St. John's Metro and the rest of the Avalon. Mainly cloudy today. Northwesterly 30, high minus 12. Tonight, clear skies, winds up to 40, temperature minus 12. And Saturday, cloudy, winds 40, temperature minus 13. Clarenville and Central, mix of sun and cloud today. Light winds minus 14, much the same tomorrow, minus 21 overnight. South coast, daytime temps minus 11 next two days with light winds and overnight temperature minus 16. West coast, southwest coast, northern peninsula, light winds minus 14 today, minus 18 overnight with winds at 30, minus 13 tomorrow. Uh, Keep in mind, add a few degrees or a few degrees colder in the north. Goose Bay, sunny today, winds 30, minus 25, minus 31 overnight with winds at 30, minus 24 tomorrow with winds at 30. Lab West, temperature falls to minus 40 and uh, this afternoon and clear tonight, minus 37, sunny and minus 27 tomorrow. And the North Coast, minus 26 today, minus 29 overnight. And tomorrow, sunny, minus 24, wind chills up in the minus 40 range right now. In Metro, it is minus 15. Back with an update at 11 o'clock for VOCM News. I'm Brian Medore.
1: This is Open Line on VOCM.
19: Welcome back to the show. Let's go. Line number one. Rob, you're on the air. Several calls this morning like that. Rob, on line number one, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, you're on the air, sir.
31: Good day, Paddy. How are you?
19: Excellent. How about you?
31: Good. I'm calling today to talk about the cost of flying inside our province for, uh, for medical, especially coming from Labrador. I'm in, in Labrador myself, and I recently had to send my significant other and my child out for, for a medical trip, and it cost me over $3,000 in flights. Oof. And I don't understand how that's possible when I can fly from, I'm flying out of Wabush, I can fly to Quebec, I can fly straight to Montreal for, for $1,000 for two people return.
19: Yeah, I mean, we talk about uh, access and direct routes and uh, the cost of flying out of, say, for instance, where I live in St. John's International, two places abroad. But you're right. The cost to fly inside the province is extraordinary. It's unbelievable.
31: And it doesn't make much sense to me, really, Patty. I mean, it's it's 1,175 kilometers roughly as a crow flies to St. John's. It's 960 to Montreal. It's flying from the same company, yet somehow the Quebec government can help the Quebecers who fly out of Wabwich, which is inside Newfoundland and Labrador, yet our own government can't help us fly for Labrador for medical reasons. It's, it's really just not good enough.
19: Well what do you mean they can't the government here doesn't help there is indeed. <laughs> now there's lots lots of concerns with the medical transportation assistance program. Yeah, you've got but,
31: the MTAP program I guess. Pardon me? You've got the MTAP program. Yep. That's what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean when you're when you're paying three thousand dollars to fly out, I mean luckily for me it's only a, a one shot deal as of right now. People who have to fly out multiple times, I mean you're looking at thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars a year. It's just as well to be in the United States where you're you're literally almost dying because you can't afford to travel for medical.
19: I completely understand it. And then the additional concern layered in there is that it's, a monies that are returned after the fact, after you provided proof of attending your appointment or your procedure, what have you. And for so many people, and we hear the stories all the time here, is they don't have the upfront money. So especially if they are repeat travelers for medical care, so they're having 50-50s and raffles and going to their church or they're going to community organizations to try to come up with the money to travel for health care. It really does feel like, when we talk about the Canada Health Care Act, is they talk about extra billing. This kind of feels like it. So if someone is going to be approved for travel, I think there's got to be some discussion about that money coming up front. I mean, I know if it's repeated after after your first trip, the, the uh, compensation goes down to, I think, 50% of coverage. And, you know, there's, there's some money there for nightly accommodations. There's some money there for meals. But if you had to travel three, four times in one calendar year from Labrador to St. John's, for instance, that money... Boy, you better have a, a big load of money in your savings or checking account, or have a big job, because upfront cost is really where the barrier exists. As far as the stories coming from Labrador that I hear.
31: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's really shameful, Patty. Um, I've got family members who have to fly once every three months for checkups, and I mean, they're 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 retirees. They're on a fixed income. I don't I don't even know how how people can do it. Honestly, it's it's really it's, it's something else, man. <laughs>
19: It is. I hear the stories all the time. We actually had the NDP member for Lab West, Jordan Brown, on the show on this uh, specific topic earlier in the week. So my questions for the folks that administer MTAP. Is there a way to ensure that we change the, the, uh, the conversation a little bit for some upfront coverage? Because I suppose what goes on here, Rob, is that they're wary of making that change just in case some people might be willing to abuse it by not actually going through their appointment, by not actually even having appointment, and then there's that big chase. Now, I don't think that's going to be a really popular approach taken because it's easy enough after the fact for you to have to provide the proof that you made it to your appointment or your procedure, but I suppose that might be some of the wariness of government to change when the monies flow, but I think we've got to figure that out because there's no way... That if you can't afford to travel, that you in essence are being denied health care, that's a real problem that is flies in the face of what we call universal healthcare in the country.
31: I agree completely. I'd like to commend Jordan Brown on on the service he's doing for for Labrador. I think he's doing an excellent job. I'm glad to hear him call in, and I I was actually listening when he called in earlier the week. Another thing is that no one's ever called back. Like he he voices his concerns, and you never ever hear any rebuttal from from the opposing side of it of how it MTAP is benefiting us. It's only us calling, talking about how it's not doing us the justice.
19: Well, we can certainly put it on our plate to discuss with Minister Osborne. And I would imagine in the next week, next week or so, given all the healthcare stories that we hear every single day, we'll try to make time with the Minister. I'll make sure that this is on my list.
31: Perfect. Thanks so much, Patty. I'd like to uh, I'd like to tell more Labradorians to call in. We hear a lot of Newfoundlanders calling in about all kinds of concerns. And I think personally, Patty, that, that you're a great avenue to, to voice your concerns to because it seems like when you hear it, start, the ball starts rolling immediately, or at least you get an answer for, for your questions. So I'd like to thank you for for being a voice for all the people, and I'd like to hear more people from Labrador calling in, voice and their concerns
19: as well. Well You know what, Rob, I'm with you 100%. I wish we had more callers from Labrador because the circumstances of almost everything under the sun are very different in Labrador than they are on most parts of the island, so I'm going to uh, echo what you just said, and for folks in Labrador, whether it be about this, or healthcare, or mining, or critical minerals inside of mining, or any concern you have with social programs or whatever, please do put them on our radar. And I... I try to look around and try to find the stories from different parts of the province, but the best way to be for those, those stories to be told is for the individuals who are living it. So whether it be in remote or rural parts of the island, and absolutely Labrador, we welcome your call and look forward to it. Thanks for this, Rob.
31: Thank you so much. Have a great day. You too.
19: Bye-bye. Yeah, I mean, you know me, I would prefer more callers from every nook and cranny of the province because you're the ones living it. You're experiencing it up close and personal. For me, i got to try to read between the lines. i got to try to understand it and put myself in your shoes, which is a really difficult task. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying it's much easier for people to understand the stories in your part of the province when you tell them. And also there's a medical transportation assistance uh, program that's separate from the overall MTAP for folks around income support. So anyway, we can talk about that or anything else. Let's go to line number two. Krista, you're on the air.
32: Hi, good morning. How are you?
19: Excellent. Thank you. How are you?
32: Oh, good, good. I just wanted to call in there. I've been listening on and off throughout the morning uh, to the uh, conver- ongoing conversation there regarding the mini splits and the heat pumps. And so uh, I, fr- I was uh, listening to the lady there earlier and she was expressing some frustration with the uh, red tape involved, you know, with the rebate processes.
19: Uh-huh. And, uh huh.
32: And I recently went through the process myself um, this past fall. And uh, I was successful in getting the the $5,000 rebate. I didn't do the oil one. I did the greener homes with the federal government. And so I just wanted to impart, like, you know, kind of a positive, spin on it. There is a lot of red tape, and there was a lot to it. I totally get where she was coming from. Um, you know, there's a lot of steps in the process, and there is a lot of information. But I would just say to people to, you know, stick with it and have patience. Um, definitely do a lot of your own research. Like, I um, researched a lot into this before I chose what I was going to go with. And uh, it's all about the contractor that you pick as well. You know, I was very fortunate to um, be a customer of Coal Air. I think you had uh, the owner there had called in earlier, so I dealt with those guys, and uh, I had a positive experience from start to finish. And I got my five thousand dollars back within about four months.
19: I think you hit the nail on the head when you say you did the required research, the due diligence to make sure you know what you're getting yourself into, insofar as the product goes, and. The installer and someone who's able to not only install it, but to service it and stand behind their product. That's the real trick, Because we had a complaint earlier in the week where the there was a problem with the unit. And couldn't get anyone to come out and fix it. So, yeah. you know, you've got to go all the way down that path. And there's lots of people you can speak to and get referrals as to their experience with home heat solutions or heat pump solutions or cold air contracting or Greenfoot or whoever you choose. So look at the unit, look at the company, and make sure you're going to move both eyes open because that will save you or spare you a lot of aggravation down the road. And, look, I've got people who have gone through the Greener Homes program and other rebate programs that are out there. And they didn't have any real complaints. You know, it took some time. And there's always going to be jumping through hoops when you deal with the government. But they stuck with it. They had a positive experience as well. So I don't suppose everyone has the exact same experience, but it seems to be going relatively well.
32: Yeah. You know, if you uh, have the patience to stick it out and you stay informed, um, you know, the staff that I dealt with um, with Collier were knowledgeable right from start to finish. They actually helped me with my rebate process. Um, So if I had questions or there was a form that I needed I wasn't sure how to get or what have you, um, it was great to, because again, this goes back to doing your research, choose a contractor that's there and committed and interested in, you know, helping you through the process. We as consumers with these products, it's all brand new to us. We have no idea really, uh, you know how to get started sometimes. And that's a lot of people I hear talking about it are just like, no, I don't even have the energy, you know, it's too much work, whatever. But again, if you, if you choose the right product and you choose the right contractor, it will work. You just have to stick it out. It takes a few months, um, you know, and it is frustrating at certain points, but you know, it's a government program you're dealing with. It's not going to be, um, you know, as easy as, uh, submitting it and getting your money the next day. It doesn't work that way. No. Um, But it does work, you know, if you stick it out and you, like I said, being knowledgeable and doing your research was huge. um, But then choose a contractor that's going to be reliable and going to support you through it. And you will get it done. You know, it does happen. It took me four months, but I did get my $5,000 back. I I installed a triple mini split, so I didn't do any of the uh, oil conversion. So I just installed as an addition to my home to help with my electric heat costs. Uh, which, by the way, it's reduced it drastically. Again, I can't say enough to people. I know there's upfront costs with these machines, but um, the savings is evident within the first few months. In compared to my last winter bills.
19: Yeah, no question. The the cost recovery model is pretty encouraging. There's no question about that. Uh... Oh,
32: absolute and a nicer heat too. It's more comfortable. It's more consistent. Like, uh, you know, I'm really enjoying it in my home um but um yeah so i did the greener homes with the 5000 so i didn't go through hydro was what i was going to say so i don't know much about that program um but the greener homes program was the one i used
19: i appreciate the time and the update thanks a lot krista
32: and absolutely i would recommend anybody out there don't hesitate the staff of coal were fabulous
19: there you go they i'm sure they appreciate the pump
32: well, you know what? And they will continue to get it from me. If uh, you receive good customer service, I feel that it's worth spreading the news.
19: Absolutely right. Appreciate the time. Have a great weekend.
32: Thank you. You too.
19: You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You positive experience there. You don't often hear positive interactions with the government from one program or another, but Krista had one. Uh, let's go ahead and take a break. When we come back, we're talking about whatever's on your mind. Don't go away.
1: VOCM's open line. Call now. or 1-888-590-VOCM.
33: Hi, my name is Brandon Bone, Easter Seals NL's 2022 ambassador. When I attend Easter Seals NL's meaningful recreational programs, camps, family events, fundraisers, and career and educational services, my disability is left at the door. To maximize opportunities for people with disabilities living right in our province, please donate today at eastersealsnl.ca.
14: Hello, Margot. What do you have there? Ah, a scented candle with no wick. Or scent. An entire drawer full of previously loved sandwich bags. An old hockey jersey belonging to someone named Kevin. You don't have any siblings called Kevin. It's all right, Margo. This isn't a weird dream sequence. You're just cleaning out your mom's house so she can move to Littledale. Our moving concierge can help. The residents at Littledale. Visit littledale.ca. In Newfoundland and Labrador, when you think equipment, you think Harvey & Company. They provide the best equipment brands for the
1: road, the farm, and the construction site. Trusted brands like JCB Construction Equipment now receive air miles reward miles at all sales, parts, and service. Learn more about JCB Construction Equipment at your nearest location. Harvey & Company, a division of the Pike
34: Group. Service, value, and quality equipment you can trust. HarveyCo.com. This is Melvin Coombs, owner and on-site jeweller of the Goldsmith in Churchill Square. While we sell all gifts that sparkle, we are best known for what we do. Expert repairs and custom designs. Create something special for yourself or a loved one. With our on-site designer, you can watch your ideas take shape. Be part of the computer design process. Reuse your diamonds or add new ones. The possibilities are endless at the Goldsmith. Trust us in our many years' experience and be there every step of the way. Visit our website, Facebook or
20: call 368-GOLD. The second I walked into their office, I was relieved. They took care of everything. There were so many things I hadn't thought about. The accident changed my life forever. I'm still dealing with the effects. But Roboth and Mackay Marshall has been right here with me the whole
5: time. I love that they're always just around the corner when I need them. Robothan and Mekhi Marshall has been helping accident victims in Newfoundland and Labrador for over 35 years. Make the call. It costs nothing to talk.
13: When looking for new parts for your vehicle, you want someone you can trust who will give you honest advice and have a great selection of
11: quality parts for all makes and models. That's why you need Automotive Supplies Limited.
13: They're your number one choice for parts. A supplier of AC Delco, and conveniently located. 1222 Topsail Road. 99 CVS Highway in manuals, and now
11: 33 to Fanger Drive. Locally owned and happy to serve you. That's Automotive Supplies Limited.
22: Open Line is brought to you by James and Nosworthy, licensed insolvency trustee. It's okay to hit a financial rough patch,
19: and it's okay to get help.
1: This is Open Line on
35: VOCM.
19: Welcome back to the show. Let's go line one. Caller, you're on the air. Good morning, Mr. Daly morning
35: uh, i just want to talk about the home heating rebate okay to five hundred dollars no I, I i don't send in no application but i certainly knows of a person that i've been talking to and in this company he receive i know a lot of people having some problem with their applications guarantee or, you know refusing them had to re, had to re uh, redo them out but uh I didn't know why. But I said I was going to call on his behalf because he, some people won't call into your line, but I want to know why. Like I was looking at his uh, stub there on the home he rebate. It's supposed to be $500, but uh, initially it was $406. So I where the other $94
19: went to. The program was always promoted as up to $500, wasn't it?
35: Yeah, but up to 500 I I have no idea, but
19: like I say, that's what he.
35: That's
19: what we see? $406. Yeah, and now the the applications for that home heating supplement program are actually closed. So it was all about net family income and the amount of fuel that you burn, right? So if it was just net family income up to, I believe the number was $150,000, you could be eligible for it. But it also all depended on how much money you would get based on the, the amount of furnace or stove oil that you burn to heat your home. So I think there was a floating target. Yeah, what I know is initially... A his tank is filled up every two weeks. So,
35: but uh, and like you say, a lot of people having problem with uh, with applications being denied for some simple reason because the all is not dialing the T is not cross. You know, I don't know who we have working in the finance department in the government. You know, or whoever's who's in charge of these issuing these checks.
19: Well, I heard of a couple of strange ones. So you had to submit your bills, right? So the bills are quite clear, is who your distributor is, your supplier is, and where they deliver deliver to. So there was one lady who had her application denied because she didn't put the address of her home inside whatever line that was on the application process. But the bill she submitted showed quite clearly where the order's being delivered. So there was little fundamental mistakes made by individuals, which made them, sent them back to the drawing board and all the frustrations that comes with it. So, yeah, there were some tangles there.
35: Yeah, you know, exactly what you just said. My brother-in-law had the same thing. Okay. Same thing. Got to wait another two or three months. Okay, I'll well, get off of that issue. uh <laughs> make the flights of, uh, <clears throat> from Vancouver to be from Newfoundland. My uh, niece had a flight. She was coming out... Uh, uh, this we, uh, this uh, this weekend, but she had to cancel her flight. She lives in Vancouver. Island. Yeah, you know to cancel her flight cost thirteen hundred and eighty dollars.
19: Yeah, so she booked a standard ticket as opposed to one of the flex options that gives you a little bit of a break if you have to cancel. Yeah,
35: yeah, she had the ticket. She had the ticket initially bought, but now she's come. Uh, she's come prior before before the initial date that she had a ticket purchase.
19: That's what I mean. I get it. What's the cost of that ticket? Forget the cancellation number, but how much does the cost to fly from Vancouver to St. John's these days?
35: Uh, well, I never got into that, but all I know that, that she had to pay an extra $39.80, $39. and she'd be arriving here in the all so. okay.
19: and this to be Okay. And further to that, it's my understanding uh, that it used to be that you could indeed get from Vancouver to St. John's in less than 24 hours, but you can't anymore. No. Pretty wild. can't fly across your own country uh, in less than one day. It, it's tr- pretty wild, and that's all based on connection. So there's a long day ahead of someone who's making their way from the west coast of Canada to the east coast. Yeah, that's it, Mr. Daly. So that's, all, that's, that's my two points. I appreciate the call this morning. Okay, thank you. All the best. <coughs> Bye-bye. All right, uh, let's keep going. Let's talk a bit of blind hockey. Newfoundland and Labrador Join us on line number two, Steve Joy. Hi, Steve. You're on the air. Hello there. Hello. Welcome to the show.
36: Oh, thank you very much. So what's going on? Uh, Just, uh, I guess, uh, talk about uh, yesterday. uh, Newfoundland Blind Ice Hockey had our our, our Triad program. Uh, And just wanted to have a chat with you guys about it, I guess, uh, to spread awareness.
19: Sure. What happened?
36: Uh, So yesterday we had, uh, this is our our sixth year running, and uh, yesterday we had uh, uh, our try program where we invite uh, visually impaired children to come out and uh, and try uh, playing hockey. Or well, uh, I guess really our, our try day is more about uh, try skating. Um, get them on the ice and uh, see you know, see what they think of it, and uh, and we go from there.
19: How many people showed up, and how many were first timers? Uh,
36: we had let me see. Uh, originally, we had 19 kids uh, that were registered for it, and I guess uh, due to uh, uh, sick, uh, a couple of kids being sick, whatever. We, we ended up having uh, I think it was 14 kids all together that did show up for it and, and came out. Uh, seven of those kids were were new, and seven of them are were ones that uh, uh, that have been there before. So it, it was uh, it was a good turnout. We enjoyed it.
19: Yeah, look, I've actually been in the building when there was some blind hockey being played. And I mean, take this for how I intended it. It's loud. (laughs) It's unbelievably loud for all the obvious reasons, whether it be the, the puck itself, which I don't know exactly how big it is compared to a normal hockey puck. It's maybe one and a half or twice the size. It's hollow steel with ball bearings in it. So you can really hear the puck moving around. And what made it even extra loud is some of the folks that have some limited vision the way that they're yelling out to the other players about what's going on in the play and offering some coaching from the ice, and then it's the banging of the sticks, which is the first thing you notice because everyone bangs their stick looking for a pass, but it's mandatory for that audio cue to be out there for whoever, whoever the puck carrier is to to know where someone else is to be able to throw them a pass. So it's fairly loud, isn't it, Steve?
36: Oh, it absolutely is. Uh, yeah. It's all uh, it's all about communication for uh, uh, for blind ice hockey, I mean, it's uh, you know letting uh, you know you you have to let your your teammates know where you are, and it's it's also about uh, I mean look, some of these some of these players are on on the ice and uh, and have no vision at all, and uh, it, which is remarkable, amazing to watch. Um, you know that they can go out on the ice and they know where they are on the ice, and uh, and, and that's you know mostly all just by senses um you know but they see them i mean they they still they, they change on the fly i mean and it's all about uh, listening to where listening to where their bench is and uh, and like you said tapping the sticks uh, on the ice uh lets, lets everybody know where where each player is
19: it's one thing for the skaters and i totally get it it's, uh, tapping the sticks and people calling out some instructions and then the puck that you can hear how does it work for the goalies and if i remember correctly you don't use the standard net do you
36: no, the nets are. I mean, I mean, it is identical except for the fact that it's one foot shorter. Okay, uh, a, a standard net would be four feet tall, whereas uh, uh, in blind ice hockey it's three feet tall, and that's simply for uh, everybody's safety. It's just a matter of keeping sticks down, keeping the puck down as much as you can. Um, you know, it's just uh, you know you want to certainly keep everything. Out of everybody's faces, uh, uh, you know, in something where people are not be able to see the puck. So,
19: are you allowed to take any type of shot? From slap shot, wrist shot, snapshot, backhand, whatever.
36: Yeah, these guys will take uh, any shot that they uh, any shot that they want to. I mean, the, the goalies uh, the goalies are incredible. I mean, uh, a goalie in blind ice hockey. The, one of the, the, the prerequisite to be a goalie is you have to be one hundred percent blind. Um, and to ensure that uh, the goalies actually wear uh, a face mask over their eyes to to make sure that they are unable to see anything at all. Uh, so I mean, certainly, for a, a goalie's perspective, it's uh, it's all ears. It's it's listening. Um, you know, and there's there's some different rules in the in the sport as well where uh, you get into the opposing end uh, before you can actually shoot the puck uh, to to score on a goalie. You must pass the puck to somebody. Um, And and that's, uh, you know, in all fairness, uh, I mean, so you don't have one player skate in and can shoot the puck on the goalie and the goalie doesn't even know that he was coming. It's, uh, you know, they get in the zone, they have to make that pass and the referees all hold um, a buzzer in their hand. As soon as the pass is made and it's a good pass, uh, they'll hold that buzzer down and the buzzer. So when everybody on the ice hears the buzzer go off, uh, they know now that the team can shoot the score.
19: So does that mean that they have to make one pass once they've entered the offensive zone or one pass the other side of center or is it all inside the blue line? No.
36: All has to be inside the blue line, okay. in the offensive zone. So once you're in the offensive zone, you you have to make that pass before you can shoot on the net.
19: When I was in the building uh, for that particular game, what I thought was remarkable is that the players, many of them, they were aided to the ice. But when they got to the ice, it was like it was their... Comfort zone. All of a sudden, they're zipping around and enjoying the game like we all do. But they needed some assistance just to get to the gate. But once they got there, poof, off to the races. Uh,
36: you know, it's incredible because my first experience with uh, with blind hockey uh, when when my son was was deemed legally blind, he was invited to go to Vancouver, and we went to Vancouver to go to a camp. And we get we get to the camp, and we're meeting all these fantastic people who are visually impaired, and. The next day came and it was time to go to the rink and I found myself, uh, walking, you know, all these guys over to the rink and then we get to the rink and I got to bring them to the dressing room. They go in the dressing room. They get dressed. Once they're dressed, they come out, you know, they'll open the door and they'll come out and then you lead them to the ice. And I'm thinking to myself, like I've never, at that point, I'd never seen blind hockey before. And I was thinking to myself, like, my God, like how is somebody not going to get hurt here? And like you, you walk them to the ice surface and it's just like second nature. They they know exactly where you know, where they are, what they're doing. And I, I will say, I mean, at the time I'm taking my thirteen year old son and putting him out on the ice with grown men to to go out and play hockey. And I'm thinking like, Oh my god, this is this is gonna be bad and it was it was amazing. And uh it was at that point then that, that uh, you know, myself and my son talked about it and said, Hey, you know what, we need to bring this back to Newfoundland because there's got to be people uh, you know sitting at home in, in Newfoundland that just don't have the opportunity to do this
19: So what do you say so you've got lived experience with your son? There's going to be a lot of uh, Limited vision or entirely blind people out there who think you know Can I really pull this off? What kind of skills do I need to bring to the board? May, some of them may have been on skates a few times in their life never had a stick in their hand What do you say for the entry level for the newbie the novice?
36: You know what? Um, you got to come out and just try it. Uh, I mean, people are nervous when they come out and try it. Uh, you know, this year, uh we had a uh, you know, we had a we got a, a new uh, player this year, Nicole. Nicole come out on the ice, she had no experience whatsoever. Um, you know, never skated before. Uh and here we are now. Uh I mean, we're uh what 6 months into, uh, you know, into our year. And right now, I mean, Nicole is is going to be uh, going next month. We're we're heading to the nationals in Toronto, and you know, and, and uh, it, it's it's a confidence booster. You know, they they get out on the ice. Yeah, sure, you're going to be nervous at first, but uh, but after it's like anything at all that you try. Uh, you know, after a while, you become, um, you know, you, you become you're used to it, and 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 it's something that you. You, you love to do. So it's, uh, and, I mean, let's face it, uh, you know, hockey is, uh, hockey is our sport, so.
19: Yeah, and you know, add to it, it's not just on the ice, but off ice, regardless of your uh, limited vision or entirely blind, the camaraderie of the dressing room is its own unique feature, which is fun for everybody.
36: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely it
19: is. When's the next opportunity for someone to get out for a skate?
36: Uh, we are on the ice um, every. Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, uh, in, uh, in Conception Bay South at Robert French. Um, this, this, uh, Sunday is actually, we do not have hockey, but, uh, we are on the ice, uh, March 5th, 12th and 19th again, uh, at 11, 11 a.m. And, uh, you know what, it's, it's always open. Uh, we do have a, a Facebook page, uh, Newfoundland Blind Ice Hockey, uh, that, uh, you know, that that's the best way to reach out to us, um, uh, any other way, uh, I guess, really is uh, any of your local CBS lines or sorry, any of your your Lions clubs. Um, you know, they'll they'll all know how to get in touch with us. Uh, but there's, uh, like, said, so Facebook is probably the the best way to go.
19: Appreciate this. Keep up the good work. Sounds like a great program.
36: Great, thank you very much.
19: Thanks, Steve. Bye bye. Okay. Steve Joy, Blind Hockey NL, great stuff. Let's take a break. When we come back, Sheila is there to talk about the RNC mental health support program that featured Christopher Fagan and, of course, the Portuguese water dog, Stella. Where's Stella? And then we're going up to Labrador. Say good morning to Noreen. Don't go away.
1: VOCM's open line. Call now. 273-5211 or 1-888-590-VOCM.
22: Safety First Contracting Specialist in Traffic Control Services wishes to advise the motoring public of a traffic interruption on the Veterans Memorial Highway in the vicinity of North River Road. Friday, February 24th, between 2.50 p.m. and 3.20 p.m. There will be a brief stoppage in traffic affecting both northbound and southbound traffic for a blast. Traffic delays should be expected at this time. Safety First asks you to obey all posted signage, reduce speeds, and watch for workers in the area. Safety First Contracting apologizes for any inconvenience this may cause. It's
6: time for your Money Minute with BDO Licensed Insolvency Trustee Nancy
22: Sneddon. Nancy, are
6: Buy Now, Pay Later payment plans a good idea? Buy
4: Now, Pay Later is definitely gaining in popularity. Lots of new companies are setting up shop with enticing marketing campaigns designed to make you want to spend. But before you commit to paying later, think carefully about the financial commitment you are about to make. Even if Buy Now, Pay Later plans are usually interest-free, if you miss payments, you will be charged interest and might end up paying far more than the original. Price. So before you click that Buy Now button, ask yourself three questions. Do I really need this item? Would I still want it if I had to pay up front? And can I afford the payments? If you find yourself overwhelmed by debt or Buy Now Pay Later plans, a BDO License Insolvency Trustee like myself can help you explore all your debt relief options. Take care of your
6: financial health. For more helpful advice on managing debt, visit bdodebt.ca or call 1-833-BDO-TALK to book a free consultation. What could Friday's Max jackpot of an estimated $50 million plus an estimated two max millions
33: get you? A fleet of helicopters. No, wait, a flight to outer space. We have a dreamer. Dream to the max. Must be 19 or over.
22: Thousands of families are facing the pressure of unemployment, reduced income, inflation, food insecurity, and more. The Salvation Army in Newfoundland and Labrador gives help and hope to over 40,000 people each year through social and community service programs.
13: Coming to the food bank is a big help, and the encouragement I get from The Salvation Army makes me feel like I'm not alone.
22: To learn more about The Salvation Army or to make a donation, visit salvationarmy.ca. New?
7: new 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 there's so much new at cohen's new canadian-made furniture new mattresses new appliances new laundry pairs all in stock see more in our new
20: bi-weekly flyer on rebe and at cohen's.ca cohen's where the home is saving money is wise and making your home more energy efficient is a step in the right direction heat pump solutions provides a professional and efficient experience while saving you thousands of dollars in the process rebates up to ten thousand dollars and zero percent financing for ten years you can finance up to four $40,000 in energy upgrades like Fujitsu heat pumps and electrical service upgrades and receive up to $10,000 back. Call 834-5247 to chat about your options. Heat Pump Solutions Limited, your local Fujitsu dealer.
1: This is Open Line on VOCM.
19: Welcome back to the show. Let's go to line number three. Sheila, you're on the air. Good
25: morning, Teddy.
19: How are you? I'm doing okay, thanks. How you doing?
25: Good. I just wanted to follow up on the Stella and also the equine therapy program with the RNC, because both have been in the news in the last couple of weeks, as I'm sure you already know. Mm-hmm. And I think CBC is also investigating the Stella thing. I saw it on here hearing now a couple of nights ago. All very concerning because they are huge steps backwards in mental health and wellness, particularly in the workplace. But these two programs are also for the community, which is where my interest lies. So I sent an email to... John Hogan, the Minister of Justice, a couple of days ago to express what I just said to you and to ask him essentially what was going on. So I have his response. Uh, Can I read you a couple of lines?
19: I think it's the same email that everyone gets, but yes, please do go ahead. I have a copy of it.
25: There you go. He says, while I understand that these programs are undergoing some changes, I can assure you that they have not been canceled. They are part of a policing they are part of policing operations over which the RNC has independence and authority. So and he says, as you can appreciate, as Minister of Justice and Public Safety, I cannot interfere in police operations. So I guess and I heard Jim Hines, he called you yesterday, right? The the man who facilitated Stella, her purchase, her training, all that stuff. He called him yesterday, right? He did. Very upset.
19: He's upset, I think a lot of people are. I've uh, done a little bit. Well, I've been exposed to Christoph Fagan and Stella in different settings where you can just see quite simply and plainly how important and beneficial that that program and the equine therapy program have been. They're both a bit different, you know. For the equine therapy program it was more about first responders and their need for some additional supports. But Stella became part of the community. And I'm not trying Absolutely. to overstate it for Absolutely. the sake of being sensational. Yep. I mean, Stella's a dog, but Stella has made an absolute impact. It's as plain as a nose on your face. So while the minister says that he can't get involved in day to day operations at the RNC, I get that, but. I know, too. It can be considered a bit of an overreach. Yeah, sure. Perhaps. Like, if, even yep. if the minister's office is saying, do this or that, uh, Mr. RNC chief, that's maybe a bit much. But, I mean, to mm-hmm. be able to simply speak out and say, I understand. Stella mm-hmm. has been important, not only to Krista Fagan individually, but to the community. And I'm encouraging the RNC to uh, revisit uh, this past six months. He doesn't have to say, you have, you must do this, you must do that. But he can certainly say that he recognized the importance of Stella. And he recognizes that these programs have been beneficial. And to ask questions as to why, for the last six months, our requests have been denied. There's no, I don't mm-hmm. think there's a downside there. Mm-hmm.
25: It's like we can't get the truth. Where's the truth? Where's the dog? Why is it being denied?
19: I think the are dog is. One? I think the dog is simply just at headquarters,
25: right? But I mean, isn't Jim Hines getting information that it's cancelled? Minister Hogan is saying no, it isn't. Like, do you not agree? There's mixed messages here.
19: Oh, of course there are. But you know, even before that, Sheila. Here's what I would ask, even, you know, where the mixed messages lie, because there there absolutely is part of this conversation, is why? Why did this stop, period? You know, is there any legitimate reason as to why a private donor— who has put Stella and dealt with all the rest of the canine unit and built Mm -hmm. kennels and put GPS trackers and all the things that they really needed to be a modernized, world-class canine unit. So Mm -hmm. Jim Hines has supported the RNC initiatives to the tune of almost $350,000. So if that support has come from a member of the community who's not out there looking for gratitude and thanks and pats on the back, he simply wanted to do what he thought was the right thing. So if that's how this all came to bear and how Stella appeared on the scene, why why did it stop? Why has there been a six-month interruption? If there's something wrong with the dog or Miss Fagan or any okay, well, let us know. And I don't think either is the case. So why did it stop? I just can't wrap my mind around it. You know, this was good news. When the RNC really are desperate for some good news stories because there's been some problems and been some real headline ab, real grabbers. We love
25: Stella. She always looks great, right? Yeah. Does great work. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
19: So I just don't uh, know what's going on here. I'd love to have the chief on I agree on.
25: with you, but there's, but there's two questions here, Patty. I totally agree with you. I get it in spades that how valuable that dog and her handler is to the community. What about the equine therapy program? What happened to that?
19: I have no idea. That but, one I don't I understand. Think,
25: I think they're linked, Patty. Somehow they're connected. I don't know how, but it's very strange that both things that involve animals in this case have been shelved or appear to be. I don't know. We don't know.
19: Well, there. I think there's probably a connection, given the fact that both stories kind of popped up in the same week, different timelines for how they went away. But, yeah, there's got to be some connection of some form of variety. I don't know what it is. but it's, I don't either. I think, say, I think there's three questions. think.
25: So, I think somebody somewhere has some of these answers. I do. I think whoever that is needs to come forward. That's the chief. There you go.
19: I'm happy to have Chief Rocha Love to. And this is not about pinning him in the corner. This is just no. so we can understand exactly what's happening.
25: Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. So why don't you invite him
19: in? 100%. Don't you worry about that. We try to get all the guests that we think have decision-making authority that has a major league impact on society, and the chief is exactly one of those. I will send along uh, a text now to, I think, the appropriate person at the RNC to invite him on first thing Monday morning.
25: Perfect. Well, Let's, ho- let's, let's see what happens, and let's hopefully we'll get good news from the chief.
19: Appreciate the time, Sheila.
25: Perfect. Thanks, Patty. Take good yeah. care.
19: Bye-bye. Bye. Yeah, so the question uh, is, why did either program ceased to exist or at least has been stalled and why <laughs> the, the why one I just simply can't wrap my mind around it. Anyway, let's take a break. When we come back we're going to be saying good morning to the provinces Auditor General. That's Denise Hanrahan about her most recent report. And the one word that I think sums up the most of it is fraud. Don't go away.
1: VOCM's open line call now. 273 or 1-888-590-VOCM.
15: You already know that Powers is the place to go when you want doors, windows, trim, and flooring. But right now, Powers has the largest supply of interior Seco paint they've had in quite some time. Seco paint may be the quickest way to change the look of a room. And at Power Brothers on Ropewalk Lane, they make it easy. Get all your custom colors for 2023 in eggshell, pearl, and semi-gloss for a fraction of the retail cost. Every day is a sale day at Powers on Rope Walk Lane. Call 722-1720.
5: Hi, it's Mark here from Cowen's Optical. Come in and see for yourself why Cowen's Optical is your number one choice for all your eye care needs. Start with booking your eye exam today, or just bring in your current prescription, no matter where you had your eye exam. Choose from our huge selection of the latest fashion frames. Need a second pair? No problem. We got you covered there, too, with our two-for-one offer. Check out cowensoptical.ca to find a location near you. Cowen's Optical, where our focus is on you.
15: Why have this when you could have this? Harvest the sun's energy with NL Off-Grid Solutions. Specializing in off-grid power systems for your home. NL Off-Grid Solutions brings the future of energy with solar systems designed for you and Newfoundland weather. Check out their solar packages to find the best solution for you. They also provide hot water on demand and propane furnaces. Discover more at nloffgrid.ca.
21: Hi, I'm Jake Rideout with Newfoundland Power. Make sure you keep safety top of mind when you're having fun this winter. Electricity is everywhere you go even when you're off the beaten path. So you must always be aware of your surroundings. When snowmobiling, avoid power line rights of way and be cautious around guy wires and poles that can be harder to see in winter. And please talk to your children about the dangers of electricity and the no-go areas. Newfoundland Power, whenever, wherever, we'll be there.
34: This is Melvin Coombs, owner and on-site jeweller of the Goldsmith in Churchill Square. While we sell all gifts that sparkle, we are best known for what we do. Expert repairs and custom designs bring gold treasures back to life. From ring sizing, stone setting, rhodium plating, to complete restorations, we can do it all. Even watch batteries and iframe repairs. All work is done right here at the Goldsmith, and nothing is shipped away. Trust your precious jewels to the Goldsmith and our many years' experience. Visit our website, Facebook, or call 368-GOLD. New from Atlantic Lottery. Ask in store at your local Circle K, Atlantic Superstore, your independent grocer, Dominion, Needs, Marie's
1: Mini Mart, or North Atlantic for their unique QR code to scan and find out how to earn a $25 gift card. See in store for details. Must be 19 or over.
11: When planning an event fundraiser or when you simply need to reach the province with important community updates, turn to your VOCM. When you know the who, what, where, and why, make VOCM the how to reach your community. Send your community announcements to PSA at VOCM.com.
19: This
1: is Open Line on VOCM.
19: Welcome back to the show. Let us go to line number two. Say good morning to the province's Auditor General. That's Denise Hanrahan. Good morning, Ms. Hanrahan. You're on the air.
37: Good morning.
19: Welcome back to the program.
37: Thank you for having me.
19: So when I read the, not only the news stories but some of the nitty-gritty of the report, you know, certain things jump out at me. Like I think the overarching theme here is fraud, but I'm curious as to how you see this and absorb this material. Is it disappointment? Are you exasperated? Is it frustration? How do you describe your thoughts when you go ahead and see all of these compiled because it's a long list of terrible behavior?
37: Our annual report is a great opportunity for our office to sum up a year's worth of work and to make comments on a wide variety of topics. And we know it's a lot to absorb the way that, you know, when you put all this information out there. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I'm I'm almost there two years now. I've got eight to go. Um, And this morning I wondered uh, how crooked I'll be in five or six years if I'm reporting on the same stuff, because I really hope. Um, and our goal is to report on things so that we can improve them, fix them, repair them, adjust them. Um, and when I look at some of this fraud, I mean, fraud is not just about the money. Fraud is as much or more about having confidence in your public institutions and the reputational damage that can come um, when a taxpayer has to doubt whether – Um, programs are managed appropriately, whether there's safeguards in place, whether there's good fiscal stewardship happening. So the fraud items, and it is a very large, complex organization, government is, we understand that, but when fraud happens, it has to be taken very seriously. There needs to be appropriate and immediate actions, and um, I think what frustrates me sometimes is if I sense a flippant attitude towards it.
19: Are you sensing that? What did you make of Minister Cody's comments yesterday?
37: Um, I haven't had much of a chance to really uh, read many comments, and we've had a great relationship with um, the minister and her officials with respect to doing public accounts, and we were very happy to report, you know, this is the 28th year in a row the province has had uh, financial statements that fairly represent the, the province's. Um, financial position, let's say, over the last year. Um, But, you know, obviously, as the Auditor General, fraud is a really major issue for us. Um, And our act requires us to report individually on what we find. Um, In most cases, they're alleged because it's all within the last year. They're under investigation. Um, But I certainly, you know, uh, don't recall many incidents in our In our report, that talk about things being um, accidental in most of these cases of fraud, it does beg the question of how did it happen. So we know there's improvements in controls. And we have acknowledged um, and been very um, happy uh, with respect to government's fraud management program, because it's really key. But that fraud management program is not necessarily everywhere in government. And in some cases, it is very challenging uh, to play what I'll call bad cop when something happens. Um, and it could be innocent, fair enough, but it does indicate there's something wrong in the system if somebody can submit fraudulent documents and get paid, um, or somebody can do a transaction on a government asset or a credit card or a piece of equipment, um, and that I would hope that every single incident of that type of thing is dealt with in its own individual circumstance as well as learning so we can avoid it in the future.
19: You know, the minister did make uh, reference to that some of these might have been inadvertent or in error, but some of them are absolutely calculated. Does your office have the authority to refer any of these instances to law enforcement?
37: So, yes, we can report things um, to the police, and a lot of times it's the department is the first trigger. Uh, In fairness, you know, what we report in this annual report comes to us in a variety of ways. So in a lot of cases, the department does detect the, you know, the alleged fraud or the, the, you know, the transaction themselves. And per legislation and policy, they do report it to us and, and uh, to other officials in government. Um, and in some cases, depending on how much information they have from an investigation perspective. They can certainly uh, route them to police or, or any relevant authority, depending on what the what the transaction is. Um, in our case, we do make a point of reporting individually that we, we do ultimately report back to the Minister of Finance. That's our conduit into government uh, when we report it back and whether at that point in time it reported to police. Now, you know, government's a large employer, for example. If the fraud involves their employees... Um, Um, you know, it would have to be a pretty specific circumstance before an employee's action would end up being criminal, for example. However, that's not to say that as an employer, um, and I would argue government being ultimately a public sector employer, the tolerance for fraud has to be zero, and that's what their policy states, and the reaction to fraud has to be that significant. So if somebody is, for example, Using a credit card um, inappropriately, they should lose that credit card or some other action should happen. And I think that's the deeper dive, I suspect, with my office is probably where I'm going to be heading um, when I look at so many incidences like this.
19: Yeah, the use of government credit cards is infuriating. But when, for instance, the municipality, number one, you know, so. Some of these COVID programs, they were brought to bear very, very quickly. Maybe some of the oversight and monitoring and checks and balances weren't addressed nearly enough. But in this case, the municipality purposefully and willfully submitted allegedly at fraudulent invoices and proof of payment. None of the work had been done. Why not name the municipality? What's the downside?
37: So for us, you know, when we audit um, the province and we are very specific about who we audit if it's part of the government entity. But just like we wouldn't name an individual, a town for us from a person that received payment or interaction in a program, it's kind of like a person. Um, now the, you know, the department can choose to disclose uh, however they wish. But for us, um, that's been pretty standard protocol for okay. us because we, we didn't interact with the town either. We're reporting on the documentation we got from the department, and we do disclose that.
19: Give us an idea of what the province has done based on the most the most recent recommendations from your office regarding getting some control over these fraudulent behaviors. So, if I think it was 56 this is the number that pops into my head. What percentage have been enacted? What percentage are being worked on? What percentage have been ignored at this point, or at least up until this point?
37: So, I apologize. I don't actually have any statistics um, or tracking with respect to the fraud incidences, and I guess the challenge for us is to ascertain or, I guess, almost to categorize if one fraud is more important or less important than another. So that's just a consideration. Um, And in most cases, it's the department has told us that they have found the fraud and have told us they've dealt with it. Sometimes the harder place for us Um, is when it involves employees, because obviously it becomes uh, a human resource management issue. There's confidentiality, there's a variety of other considerations. We appreciate that. Generally, if it involves third parties, government does tend um, to involve other people in that, um, and they certainly have often, uh, if they can, referred them to police, particularly when you see things like people trying to cash a cheque twice, um, you know, those types of things. So, you know, government, in core government especially, has done a really good job with their fraud um, program. And of course, the more you talk about it, the more you may see it. Um, But we would want to see continued focus on that. We would want to see consistent application across the entire public service. Um, And we think it would be good to disclose potentially maybe more of what has been done um, to prevent it, to make sure people have the appropriate training, people understand the responsibilities. Clarity comes when you know what's expected of you. And if you understand that it's inappropriate to, uh, you know, uh, to use a government asset or to do something like that, um, once the clarification is there for expectations, then there should be ramifications if Uh, that
19: expectations aren't met. Yeah, I mean, examples of trying to cash the same check twice or more, uh, altered checks that never reach the intended payee, those types of things, and use a government credit card, we all get that. Are you able to provide any more details surrounding this one, which I find uh, absolutely infuriating again, is the former deputy minister in the Department of Natural Resources that was either directly responsible for hiring himself or his company into into OilCo. Can you help us understand exactly what went on there?
37: So this one, um, as you know, has been in the media, I think, in in different forms or has been, I think, was known. Um, So as we were going through, we became aware of this issue. And, you know, part of our normal audit processes are we look at board minutes, we look at decision making processes. And and so we found documentation that suggested um, that this former deputy minister may have been involved in his hiring as a consultant um, and that it was connected to. Um, the time when he would be after retiring as a deputy minister. Um, And we did find some information with respect to a term sheet um, outlining terms of a contract. Um, And we ultimately reported this incident uh, to the minister uh, in March of last year. Um, And we fulfilled our legislation requires us to basically say we found this item. Um, but we don't, unless we were to trigger it as a separate audit, pursue it further than that.
19: Last one before I let you go, Denise. So what other audits are currently underway, and most importantly, the one regarding Memorial University? What's the status?
37: Um, so right now, uh, with Memorial, we've been, we started doing um, background information and initial audit planning back last May, as soon as government uh, issued it to us. Um, and so we had the audit plan was signed off last fall. Um, At this point, um, our intention is to have that audit um, report, to to provide that audit back to government, because ultimately they're who asked for it uh, by the end of the calendar year. Um, And this is a special assignment, so we will bring this back um, as per that. We are looking at three specific areas, as I'm sure you can appreciate Memorial is a very large and complex entity with um, lots of different locations and programs so we're trying to make sure our audit scope is something we can do in a timely manner so we're looking at executive and management compensation. We're looking at um, specific lines of operating expenses and we're looking at oversight or how decisions are made in this initial report. And our plan is to have that out by the end of this year. And from that audit and those three lines of inquiry, we anticipate that there will be other audit topics and will come naturally from this. And our intention, at least uh, in my next eight years and few months, is to be sure that we do adequate representation across the sectors in the province and, you know, in post-secondary and education K-12. to It takes a lot of financial resources uh, from the public sector to fund those operations, and certainly that as well as healthcare, will be a focus for me.
19: Appreciate the time this morning, Denise. Thank you very much.
37: Thank you. Appreciate the opportunity.
19: Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's the Province's Auditor Auditor General, Denise Hanrahan. Break time for the 11 o'clock news when we come back. Noreen, appreciate your patience. We're going up to Labrador to speak with Noreen. Kareen, don't go away. You're
1: listening to the VOCM Big Land FM radio network. Stingray radio stations. Local news now. A VOCM news
7: update.
14: This news presented by
2: Mako
1: Hearing Service, 84 Thorburn Road. Phone 726 here. That's
2: 726-4327. Just a shade after 11 o'clock. Temperature in Metro's minus 15. Good morning. I'm Brian Medore. A man has been charged with assaulting a police officer following an incident at a business on Kenmount Road. RNC confronted a 30-year-old who was asleep at the business last night at about 930 The man was detained due to his level of intoxication, but became uncooperative and combative. He was held for court today. Mayor of Bonavista providing an encouraging update on ER services at the local hospital. John Norman says most of the ER shifts at the Bonavista Hospital are covered for March, and the staffing situation for April is also looking positive. He says after working closely with Eastern Health and the health minister, They now have four newly funded positions for Bonavista, including two more nurse practitioners and two more family physicians, That's in addition to the traditional physician and nurse practitioner positions that previously covered the ER and family clinics. Positions have been posted and once filled will result in the highest staffing levels ever seen at the Bonavista Hospital. What a night it was for Dawson Mercer, Bay Roberts. With the Devils trailing the Los Angeles Kings 2-0 in the second period, Mercer set up Thomas Tatar to get them on the board and then scored his 17th to tie it 2-2. The Kings took the lead in the third, but New Jersey tied it with 40 seconds left. Mercer then went to work, scoring the OT winner halfway through the frame. He was named the game's first star. It was also Mercer's 140th consecutive game that ties Scott Gomez's team record. It was an exciting opening week for Team NL at the Canada Winter Games in Charlottetown. The team's first gold medal was won Wednesday in men's trampoline by 18-year-old Gleb Estigniev. He's from McCampia in Mount Pearl. Chef to mission for Team NL Tom Godden says Gleb's gold, a big boost for the entire team. It
30: was really encouraging to see a lot of the other teams. We had biathletes there. We had the other Parts of the gymnastics team, we had several sports who came to the venue to watch Gleb compete. And I can tell you, the stadium was alive with lots of Newfoundland fans and lots of Newfoundland athletes cheering Gleb on. The
2: well, Choices for Youth picked the right weekend to stage their coldest night of the year fundraising event to raise awareness of homelessness. Starting and ending at Atlantic Place in St. John, some 250 people will walk and volunteer their time tomorrow. To show support for young people in need, Katie Keats, manager of communications with Choices, says they've reached their objective of $50,000. It truly will be one of the coldest nights of the year in Metro tomorrow, temperatures down to the minus teens.
9: It really brings an advocacy piece, right, and some awareness to um, some of the the situations that people find themselves in here all over our community. who may not necessarily have like a warm house or warm roof over their head. Um, so I think that in addition to it being a fundraiser and you know getting you know family friendly, we want you to come out and enjoy. It's also a pretty serious uh, awareness event as well.
2: The event begins at four o'clock. Anyone interested in, in doing the two and a half kilometer trek should pre-register online. Our sister station Hot ninety nine point one is the media sponsor. Seven minutes after eleven, up next, I will have your weather forecast.
9: A good fit is important, especially when it comes to your hearing. Having your technology fitted by one of our experts here at Mako Hearing Service is the difference between tackling the problem yourself and experiencing world-class hearing care and ongoing support. Call us today for your consultation. Phone 726 here. That's 726-4327. Mako Hearing Service. We care about the way you
13: hear.
8: This VOCM weather brought to you by Cowan's Optical. We care about the health of your eyes. Eye exams now available Monday to Saturday. Call 722 Eyes to book your appointment.
2: St. John's Metro and the rest of the Avalon will have sunny breaks today. Northwesterlies 30, the high minus 12 uh clear tonight winds pick up to 40 temperature minus 12 for tomorrow temperature minus 13 winds at 40. clarenville and central minus 14 the next two days light winds minus 21 overnight with light winds south coast looking at minus 11 next two days winds will be light and overnight temperature minus 16. west coast southwest coast northern peninsula minus 13 minus 14 next couple of days minus 18 overnight Uh, That'll be colder in the north. Goose Bay, minus 25 next two days with clear skies and uh, winds at 30, minus 31 overnight, Lab West. Looking at uh, light winds, sunshine, uh, minus 42 the wind chill today. And tonight clear, light winds minus 37 and sunny, light winds minus 27 tomorrow. The north coast, minus 26 the next couple of days minus 29 overnight right now in metro it is minus 15 back with an update at 11 30 for vocm news i'm brian mador
1: this is open line on vocm
2: welcome back to the show let's go to line number one
19: noreen you're on the air
38: Uh, I'm calling to add my voice. I heard Rob on this morning around the medical transportation program, and I also listened to uh, MHA Brown on, I think it was probably yesterday or the day before. Um, Of course, my calls around the medical transportation program are nothing new to open line. Mm -hmm. I I joked last night with uh, one of our committee groups, I was around the table, and I said I remember in my former job going back to sitting down with Minister Jerome Kennedy And talking about the travel program, so that's not yesterday, that goes back a while. And, you know, uh, I circulate around many seniors, of course, you know, in my uh, chairperson as a chair of the Twin City Seniors. And, uh, you know, I see some devastating things happening, you know, due to the cost of travel of getting out of Labrador. I have seniors who we have uh, tried to do fundraising for. We had people who generously donated air miles to the program. Uh, You know, we've gone to desperate, desperate means to raise funds for to get people out of here for medical appointments. I had a senior just a couple of weeks ago, for an example, who was going out for probably the fourth time to visit ENT specialists got out in St. John's because, of course, you have to fly the day before. It's usually noon the day before, whatever. Got in St. John's, and as she landed in her hotel, got an email saying that your appointment is cancelled.
19: Yeah. So there,
38: there's a $2,500, $3,000 trip to St. John's to turn around to come back and not even get uh, your appointment that you needed.
19: Yeah, I don't suppose there's much that the MTAP can do about that predicament or okay. circumstance but if, if you had your druthers, Noreen, how could the program be adjusted to deal with, especially those who have to fly repeatedly throughout the course of the year, maybe once a quarter from Labrador to, say, for instance, St. John's to the Health Sciences Centre, because some of it's to do with upfront cost coverage versus how we currently do it. Some of it's to do with the compensation money that comes in that is decreased after your first trip. So what should the, the government do to make this program more accessible and more reasonable for folks in, in Labrador in particular?
38: Well, back, back however many years ago, that is, we did up a proposal or a suggestion, you know, for ways to combat it. Back at that time, we did not have our CT scan here in Labrador City. It was until after that, you know, uh, the generosity of IOC and community partners that we got our CT scan. So at that time, we would have to travel to Goose Bay to have a CT scan. So you would go, you'd have your appointment, you'd go up to your desk at the hospital, you'd give it in, they'd give you your voucher. We wrote this out straight and clear how easy it is to solve. I cannot go to St. John's for an appointment with a specialist unless I have my letter confirming my appointment. All you should have to do is take your letter, go get your voucher, bring your voucher to the airlines. Like, it's a simple fix. We've gone to them with this many, many times. And instead, when we brought it, they had one person doing the m the MTEP program in the beginning, they ended up hiring I don't know how many, many, many more employees. And I mean the program is still in chaos and it's a mess. The last person I worked with a senior, we were seven and a half months waiting to get back whatever part of the program that they were entitled to get back. Plus, for many seniors, you almost need a university education to go through the paperwork that has to be done to claim back what you are entitled to.
19: Yeah, because I suppose with the current process to get your monies back, you had to prove you made it to your appointment or your procedure. I suppose we can always still include that after your, uh, your travel is done. And if you can't provide said proof, then we can send you a bill. I mean, oh, I sup- there's things we can do.
38: Well, I know any appointment that I've ever gone to. I know I went to because I had cataract surgery. I went, and as soon as I went into the office of the doctor, she had the letters were there printed off. They just sign them and say you turned up for your appointment ten o'clock Monday morning. So I mean that's an easy solve. That's the easy part. But it's the other paperwork that a person has to go through and get signed. And you know every time a patient or a senior brings their letter uh, to a doctor to get signed or to get like there's a cost involved. So this is getting very prohibited for seniors in our area who are on fixed income, who do not have credit cards. I don't know if people realize that, but there is lots of seniors who do not have credit cards to book, you know, up front. So it's... it's, like it's really really getting uh, into a very serious situation because of course our population is aging and of course you know with that comes sometimes more medical appointments more trips to St John's or whatever and you know people say well and it's not only the cost of your ticket you have to book a hotel you have to have meals you have to have transportation like it's 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 very very costly
19: yeah, of course it is. I mean, just the cost of travel, regardless if it's for medical procedures or otherwise, is cost prohibitive for so many people uh, in Labrador. And I would suggest people even flying to Labrador from here, interprovincial travel is very dear. There's no doubt.
38: I always say to them, and I suggested, and I've talked uh, about this around round tables when I'm at provincial meetings uh, you know, uh, converse with the new, new Nazi Nunatunovit government. You know, like they have it figured out very well. So, uh, there's a lot to learn, I think, from them.
19: <laughs> yeah, someone sent me a note about the Quebec approach. Let's see, I got yeah. it here right in front of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Quebec government subsidy program affords Quebec travelers a maximum fare of five thousand, or is it five hundred dollars, limited yep. to three mm-hmm. flights annually. The delta in the fare between five hundred bucks and the listed fare is covered by the government of Quebec.
38: Yep, absolutely. So you know, like there's lots of uh, good practices out there that can be taken and that are working very well.
19: Yeah, best practices are something we could and should be mimicking when at all possible. Uh, anything else you'd like to say this morning, Noreen?
38: No, I just want to say, uh, I want to add my piece to uh, to Stella and, you know, Miss Fagan. Krista, uh, of course, was RNC officer here in Labrador West for many years and did some wonderful work and, you know, returned several times with Stella to, our, to the big land. And, you know, uh, it was wonderful. So, again, uh, you know, just listen carefully to see what's happening with the program.
19: Absolutely. I appreciate the time, Noreen. Thank you.
38: Take care, Patty.
19: You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Noreen is actually the chair of the uh, Twin City Seniors 50-plus club up in Labrador as well. Uh, Will I take the break here, Greg? Let's take a break. When we come back, lots of time for you. Don't go away.
1: VOCM's open line. Call now. 273-5211 or 1-888-590-VOCM.
11: Weather changes constantly throughout Newfoundland and Labrador. When the weather gets bad, your VOCM has always been and remains the one you turn to. Stay informed on cancellations, delays, road conditions, and the ever-changing forecast with VOCM StormWatch brought to you by Harvey & Company. If you have a delay or closure, email PSA at VOCM.com. On air and online at VOCM.com. Storm ready with Harvey & Company Limited. Service, value, and quality equipment you can trust and your VOCM.
33: What could Friday's max jackpot of an estimated $50 million plus an estimated two max millions get you? A fleet of helicopters. No, wait, a flight to outer space. We have a dreamer. Dream to the max. Must be 19 or over.
39: You don't ever get over losing a limb. There are still really tough days for sure. But three years after the accident, I'm on a good path. I'm back doing things that doctors never thought I'd do again. McGilvery Law managed my insurance claim when I was focused on physio and recovery. They fought for the best settlement to help me rebuild my life. So when you call McGilvery Law, you're going to talk to people who know what you're going through and know how to help.
11: McGilvery Injury and Insurance Law, Atlantic Canada's trusted name for injury and
4: disability cases.
7: One big question everyone asks, should you wear sunglasses in winter? Yes. No matter the time of year, your eyes need protection from the sun's ultraviolet rays. Outdoor leisure and exercise, like skiing, running, and hiking, also call for proper eyewear to keep activities easy on the eyes. In fact, wearing a high-quality pair of sunglasses can also help prevent certain eye diseases related to the sun, including cataracts and macular degeneration. Schedule an eye exam and discuss your winter activities with your eye doctor, who will help you find the right eyewear to keep your peepers protected and comfortable through the winter months. This winter, are you ready to take things up a notch? To suit up?
1: And dance up a storm? From exhilarating outdoor adventure to lively indoor entertainment, whatever you're up for, we've got an experience package that's right for you. Things to see and do, places to stay and eat. It's up to you. Find them at
34: winterupnl.ca. This is Melvin Coombs, owner and on-site jeweller of the Goldsmith in Churchill Square. While we sell all gifts that sparkle, we are best known for what we do. Expert repairs and custom designs. Create something special for yourself or a loved one. With our on-site designer, you can watch your ideas take shape. Be part of the computer design process. Reuse your diamonds or add new ones. The possibilities are endless at the Goldsmith. Trust us and our many years' experience and be there every step of the way. Visit our website, Facebook or call 368-GOLD.
13: Newfoundland and Labrador, illegal dumping is a crime. If you see something, say something. Tell Crime Stoppers the date, time, and location of the incident and description of the vehicle and license plate. Call 1-800-222-TIPS-8477 or visit nlcrimestoppers.com. Open Line
22: is brought to you by James and Noseworthy, licensed insolvency trustee. It's okay to hit a financial rough patch, and it's okay to get help.
1: This is Open Line on VOCM.
19: Welcome back to the show. Let's go. Landon Forrest, thank morning to the chair of Hospitality Newfoundland and Labrador. That's Brenda O'Reilly. Brenda, you're on the air.
40: Good morning. How are you?
19: Very well, thank you. How about you?
40: I'm not too bad at all. Um, yeah, getting this cold today, though, hey?
19: Ooh. It's frigid.
40: Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to talk to you this morning about the um, our Hospitality Conference coming up next week in Gander. And, of course, this year also marks the 40th anniversary of Hospitality in Newfoundland and Labrador, representing the tourism industry here in the province. So we got a few things to celebrate um, next week.
19: What are you celebrating? I, I suppose, look, last year was a pretty good year in the season. I don't think back to pre-pandemic levels, but what's the celebration this go-around for the 40th anniversary conference?
40: Well, certainly we're not back to pre-pandemic, not even close back to it yet, to be honest, because, you know, airline and all that was down last year. Marine Atlantic was up, but airline uh, access... The line was down in the province. Of course, we all know that is one of our biggest issues that we do have is access to this province, not only for the tourism industry but for the economy and for everybody in the in the province, right? Um, but we do have our anniversary coming up, so um, I mean our our conference coming up in Gander. We do move it around the province, and because and we are a provincial association, so we are in Gander next week for a few days. We're um, the whole theme of this year is uh, stronger together, and of course, the tourism industry is made up of many sectors, but is also made up of a lot of. Entrepreneurs and, you know, very passionate professional operators, leaders in this province, you know, job creators and, and the like. And so we're going to celebrate that. And we're also going to have some representation from um, the Minister, the Federal Minister of Tourism, um, who is also the Associate Minister of Finance, Randy Boisoneau, is coming down. We will have Goody Hutchings deliver remarks and actually uh, host one of our panels so we can actually feed directly to a federal minister. And she, of course, is Minister of Rural Economic Development. And uh, representing the province um, and subbing in for Minister Crocker, the, tour, the Minister of Tourism, is uh, Bernie Davis. So, is Bernard, coming out to um, to bring greetings from the province as well. And, you know, we've got our Tourism Excellence Awards. We'll celebrate, you know, people in the industry. And we have a new award this year, which is a, a Tourism Employee Award of Excellence for frontline employees, which is new. So, I'm looking forward to that. This is the inaugural year for that, so that's fantastic. we got a lot of people to celebrate for sure, right?
19: What role does the federal government play in tourism? Is this all about uh, the airline industry or what have you? Which I think the federal minister is uh, Omar Alagbra on that front. So, what role do you see the feds playing in the tourism industry in this province?
40: Well, they play a big role over every industry in this in the country, of course. And tourism being one of the biggest ones, I mean, it's the third biggest one here in our province. And uh, you know, there's more than that. There's connectivity, of course, air access, access period to the country, let alone our province, is important. Uh, but connectivity to each other, connectivity to you know, Marine Atlantic plays a big piece. That's a federal piece of of, of work, as you know. Um, and we have a 65 percent cost recovery in Marine Atlantic, and we'd like to get that down. Um, I mean, that is our highway. That is how we get. You know, rubber traffic to our provinces, it's food security. It's a lot of things. Um, there's also, you know, the whole big vision on tourism, promoting Canada first, Canada first as a, as a, as a goal. And, then of course, if they all come to Canada, we all win. Um, you know, we're not the, the – if you look at the United States, we're like number three to where they visit, you know, Italy and friends are ahead of us. Um, So, you know, we need to do more work on that front, getting more. And they are concentrating on the American market this year from the Canadian perspective, um, you know, to get more of that. We also have some good panels. We have a keynote speaker. Her name is Pam August. She's really good. I've been looking up some of her videos and stuff. And that's about business leadership and unlocking potential in employees. And we've got some, like I said, some advocacy ones. And then we have um, a, a panel we're calling Transition, Transform, Thrive and it includes Michael Rubinoff from Come From Away, you know, the original guy who came up with the idea of Come From Away um, so Michael's a fantastic advocate and of course he's the one um, putting off the Come From Away show this year in Gander, um, so we're looking forward to what Michael's insights would be um, you know, and so, I mean, tourism is such a big word as you know, Patty, I mean, it's so big it's so many sectors, it's you know, it's the third biggest industry in this province. It could be a lot bigger. I always advocate that it's only the tip of the iceberg for what we could potentially be in the long run. Um, you know, there's a lot of issues uh, facing us, not not forgetting the fact that COVID, you know, devastated us. And uh, inflation is really, you know, challenging right now. And, of course, you know, people are in a recessionary period. And, and you know, so but better days ahead. And that's what we're talking about is you know, okay, you know, let's, let's find, let's re-envision what it looks like, let's you know, re-imagine, let's get back to to our business of, of, you know, greeting people and the hospitality
19: industry. It's one thing to uh, have people consider making their travel plans to come to this province, and then it's, of course, what happens when they get here. So... You know, And it's not about vacancy rates and what have you, but interestingly, out in Bonavista, they're talking about a moratorium on accommodation permits and the numbers of Airbnbs that have now become a thing for people who own a rental property. So are you worried that the accommodation world is also going to be affected here? Because if indeed other communities and bigger centers take the... Same approach that Mayor Norman has taken in Bonavista, then all of a sudden we've got a bit of a strange world regarding the availability of accommodation. So what do you make of that particular uh, uh, factor? Because it's one thing to be able to book the flight and afford the flight, but then where you stay and how you get around the province are the next two big things that have to be addressed.
40: Yeah, exactly. So we have been, you know, the Accommodations Act has um, been passed a few years ago. So they're putting the uh, final details to that legislation as we speak, um, you know, and that's not us against Airbnb or any other platform like that. It's just leveling the playing field. But you're right. I mean, rural are all parts of the province, even in St. John's, there's quite a few of them in, in, in the main city. Um, but, um, you know, they're not going to go away, but we want it to be a level playing field. But you're right. I mean, is a is a problem because hey we ha- our hr issues are so vastly large um, access to the right number of staff, to train staff, to, you know, tradespeople. Um, you know, we are a big industry. We're, we cover a lot of different uh, sectors and a lot of different jobs and stuff like that. So HR issues is going to be a big concentration. We are doing a panel on, on um, our new HR strategy and how we you know, envision what that looks like going forward. There's so many parts to that. I mean, we need public policy. So you, you talked about the federal minister. You know, any federal minister... Um, and those of us, those that are in this province, and hopefully they're listening. We need changes to the EI. We need EI reform so that people can ease back to work. So that it's not one or the other. We need changes for the seniors to be able to get back to work. We need we need you know um, some public policy that allows people not be penalized for going back to work. So you know those things are federal. Um, we need those changes to happen. We also need to get you know the underutilized people into the workforce. So what are the barriers to work? And so you know there's so many things that we can talk about but education is a big part of all of this the tourism industry you know should be an industry of choice for people and of course COVID showed how vulnerable we were and how we are and that's a cycle we need to break that is a cycle like everyone knows well if they, if you know anybody who's in the industry knows and not everybody knows because people if you don't if you don't walk the walk you don't know it right but we have always been built on slim margins but why You know why? We're treated like big business when it comes to public policy, but we're not invested in property. And I don't mean our businesses. We don't take government funding. Individual businesses in our industry doesn't take government funding. Really, they don't. You know, we're talking about infrastructure. We're talking about air access. We're talking about roads. We're talking about connectivity. We're talking about education. We're talking about, you know, know, a hospitality school. These kinds of things that invest in building of a phenomenal industry that is renewable, in every nook and cranny in this province. So, you know, we want to be treated on um, both ends like big business, but we're not. We're small business, but we're we're treated like big business when it comes to public policy, but we're not invested in them the same. I mean over the years they've spent, you know, a few million dollars a year on marketing in the Department of Tourism, that is the investment that they spend on it. You know, so like we we feel like we've been as an industry for infrastructure, for being able to grow this industry. Um, to be what we know it can be, we feel like we've been underinvested in forever, not just this government, governments prior.
19: Sure. Uh, very quickly, and you mentioned roads, and as rightfully pointed out by a listener, this has been a global phenomenon. When the pandemic struck, the rental car companies, they sold off their fleets because no one was traveling, no one's renting cars. Then became the complications of even trying to restock their inventory. It's long been a problem here in this province. Toro came to town this summer with some success. But for, if I'm making travel plans and one of my hopes is to make my way around different parts of the province with a rental car and I can't get one, I'm not coming. So do you have any update on whether it be expansion of Toro services or with the rental car companies themselves to expand their fleet? Because that's extremely frustrating.
40: Exactly. And as a matter of fact, I had a meeting yesterday with one of the – the rent-a-car agencies, and they're fully stocked. They actually, you know, fully stocked for what we are. Like, so here's, you know, we need a strategy on how the build just, like, you know, the tourism in this, the tourism season is 12 months a year. It peaks in summer. It does have some peak in in winter. But we need it to be 12 months a year, and so do the rent-a-car industry, right? So they need it because then we can have better supply of cars for more often for peak times. So, but uh, when I was talking to to that guy yesterday, he was telling me that they're fully stocked up for this year and that, you know, by the middle of last summer, they kind of got, were back to normal. But, of course, leading into the summer, and that's what I said to them, yeah, that's all good and fine. And I know that that happened. But when people are planning right now, you know, January, March, April, for the summer, if they can't book a car, they're not coming. So last year create created that big problem because even if they thought their cars were coming, they couldn't bank on it because of, the supply, you know, chain the way it's been going since COVID. So he assures me this year they do have, you know, back to pre-pandemic levels of rental cars available. Is that enough? I would argue no. no.
3: Um,
40: but we need to do things to build this industry to make it bigger, so that everything. I mean, taxis. I mean, we could go on forever. Public safety. We could go on forever with issues that affect our industry, um, that are beyond our control. And I heard lots of conversations about about policing. We need more investment in, in Police here in this province, and you know, there's nothing like the police, uh, the uniformed police officer for deterrent of crime, right? So, you know,
19: yeah, the the rental car insurance. I'm glad that you were told back to pre pandemic levels, but of course, unlike on the mainland. You know, dropping a rental car at your second destination. So I land in St. John's, but I fly home from Deer Lake or whatever the case may be. Deadheading uh, rental cars around is much easier on the mainland as opposed to here. And, you know, adjusting fleet size for different seasons is much easier on the mainland than it is here as well. So there's a lot to it. I appreciate the time this morning. Brenda, good luck with the 40th anniversary conference coming up next week in Gander.
40: Thank you very much. Thanks for your time. Appreciate
19: it. Thanks, Brenda. Bye-bye. Brendan O'Reilly is indeed the chair of HNL. Will I take the will I take Johnny here quick for the news? We're gonna break for the news. Johnny, you stay right there. He's got a question about rent.
1: Don't go away. Local news now, a VOCM news update.
7: This VOCM News brought to you by Murray Premises Hotel. Build your own Valentine's package during February. Book now at murraypremiseshotel.com.
2: At 11.30, temperature minus 15 in Metro, good morning, I'm Brian Madore, A paradise man accused of killing another man while driving drunk on Pitts Memorial Drive last year had his case called in provincial court this morning. 24-year-old Joshua Burt was charged with dangerous driving causing death and impaired driving causing death after the crash which killed 42-year-old Brad Caravan. Of Mount Pearl. The collision occurred in the early morning hours of April 3rd. Bert was charged three months later. Caravan was reportedly on his way to pick up his partner at the airport when his vehicle was struck head on by a pickup truck. He died at the scene. Bert, meanwhile, was treated in hospital for serious injuries. Lawyers appeared in court by teleconference this morning, where it was learned that the defense still awaiting a large amount of disclosure from the Crown. That's expected to be forwarded and reviewed over the next few weeks. The next court date set for April 18th. The designation has been filed with the court that allows Bert's lawyer to appear on his behalf until the pleas are entered. A man has been charged with assaulting a police officer following an incident at a business on Chem Mount Road. The RNC confronted a 30-year-old who was asleep at the business last night. At about 9.30, the man was detained due to his level of intoxication, but became uncooperative and combative. He was held for court today. Minister of Finance says government is picking up on fraudulent activity more quickly and receiving restoration in a timely manner. Auditor General Denise Hanrahan noted in a previous report that 30 government employees across several departments use corporate credit cards for personal expenses in reacting to the AG's annual report for 2022 released yesterday. Siobhan Cody, president of Treasury Board, says they have processes in place. Sometimes there is no ill intent on the part of the employee. However, some employees have been disciplined.
13: Um, And, uh, you know, that isn't enough. an individual basis it depends on what the the nature of the fraud is it could be sometimes an inadvertent error as much as anything else um, but overall uh, we're able to address our, our fraud very quickly very uh, and and getting restoration of that uh... very quickly as well so i'm glad she recognized that in the in the report but there are instances of fraud that do occur and there's sometimes there's sometimes impacts to employees because of that
2: Hanrahan acknowledges government's effort to catch fraudulent activity, but such efforts and programs may not apply across the board at all government operations.
37: And in some cases, it is very challenging uh, to play what I'll call bad cop when something happens. Um, and it could be innocent, fair enough, but it does indicate there's something wrong in the system if somebody can submit fraudulent documents and get paid, um, or somebody can do a transaction on a government asset or a credit card, or a piece of equipment um, and that I would hope that every single incident of that type of thing is dealt with in its own individual circumstance as well as learning so we can avoid it in the future.
2: It is 25 minutes to 12. Up next, I'll have your weather forecast. Fireplaces, bathtubs, and cozy atmosphere. Valentine's
15: Day may be over, but there's still time to celebrate your love. Build your own romantic getaway at Murray Premises Hotel. Choose the room style for your overnight stay and add extra gifts like dinner, wine, flowers, chocolates, and more. The Valentine's Package is available throughout February. Enjoy a romantic, memorable stay with your sweetheart. Book the Valentine's Day Package now at murraypremiseshotel.com. This VOCM weather brought to you by Cowan's Optical. We care about the
8: health of your eyes. Eye exams now available Monday to Saturday. Call 722-EYES to
2: book your appointment. St. John's Metro, rest of the Avalon. Uh, looking at winds around 30 this afternoon, temperature minus 12. For tonight, clear skies, winds pick up to 40, temperature minus 12. And for Saturday, winds 40, temperature minus 13. Clarinville and Central. Mix of sun and cloud today, light winds minus 14, much the same tomorrow. It'll be minus 21 overnight. The south coast, next two days, minus 11. Light winds overnight, minus 16. West coast, southwest coast, northern peninsula, minus 13, minus 14 over the next two days. Minus 19 overnight, colder in the north. Goose Bay, minus 25 this afternoon. Uh, winds around 30, winds 30 tonight. Temperature minus 31. Winds 30 tomorrow and temperature minus 24. Lab West, temperature falling to minus 40 this afternoon. Clear light winds minus 37 tonight, minus 27 tomorrow. And the North Coast, minus 26 this afternoon with winds way up to 60. uh, Winds 40 and the minus 29 tonight and minus 24 tomorrow. Right now in Metro, it is minus 15. Back with an update, all the news of the day at 12 noon. I'm Brian Medore.
1: This is Open Line on VOCM.
19: Welcome back to the show. Let's roll. Line number three. Johnny, you're on the air.
39: Uh, Hey, Patty. I just had a general question about, um, well, I was just surprised the other day. I was talking to a friend, and he was telling me about how his rent is going up quite a bit uh, once his term renews, and... I, I just thought that it was such a such a huge amount that seemed unwarranted, and and so I said you should check the Tenants Act because I'm sure that there's some kind of regulation about a percentage that they can increase rent. And uh, anyway, I checked it out today, and there there isn't one. And I was just surprised. Like, is this on anybody's radar? Or
19: uh, short online, answer is no. Or? Just one quick question, John. You say his term is over, so he had a rental agreement, say for five years or whatever, and that's coming to an end.
39: Yeah, it's kind of like uh, twelve months thing and then you know they renew after 12 months which seems to be kind of normal I guess I don't know
19: It kind of is but it depends on the landlord right So th- as far as I recall inside the act you cannot increase the rent during the first 12 months of tenancy After yeah. that you are absolutely allowed to increase the rent there used to be the parameter that it could be no more than 2.5% of rent after the first 12 months now That form of rent control has sort of gone by the wayside. It's basically up to the landlord, but I do, if I remember correctly, now I haven't seen the act in quite a long time, that there are some protections there. Now, we've seen rentals increase in value extraordinarily over the last little bit, but, boy, I thought there was a percentage uh, that was there. I'd have to look it up, to be honest with you. I can't remember it off the top of my head. Yeah. I know where to go, though. Okay, so once again, I put people onto this all the time. I know in Ontario, because a friend of mine actually owns a, a bunch of properties. He flies back and forth between here and Toronto all the time. They've got a percentage allowed that can be increased each year, and I'm pretty sure it's either 25 or 3%, and no more than that. If that doesn't exist in this province, and you said it doesn't because you went, we went to the act here this morning, so eh, I'll just give this a quick link and see if I get any luck. Yeah, no, I can't find it, but I thought there were some controls there, to be honest with you, Johnny. I'll tell you what. Leave it with me. I will read the act and uh, that portion of the act that pertains to increases, and I'll talk about it on the show as soon as I get the information in my head. Johnny? Johnny? Let's do for Johnny, like in The Outsiders. Johnny, you there? Hello. Yeah. Okay. For some reason, we got half cut off there. I don't know okay. if you heard what I said, but what I no, will I did, do. Yeah. Oh, you did hear me. Okay. So I will have a look to confirm that I know what I'm talking about, and then yeah. I will indeed talk about it on the show. How does that work for you?
39: Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I'm just saying, like, I read it this morning, and I'm just surprised. Like, are people calling in about this all the time? Because I know that in in a lot of livable cities, this is a very functional. Um, tool you know what i mean it it allows people to stay where they live and it's so it must be so precarious like i can't imagine someone just you know finding out that at the end of the year their rent is going to go up some amount that is totally untenable i just I, i just find it uh i just find it really surprising that in a city where we know that this is an issue that this isn't uh, at the forefront of, of what people are talking about at City Hall or Provincial or whatever it has to be.
19: Yeah, well, the conversation has started with, you know, what about imposing rent control, period? And that hasn't really worked in a lot of places where they've tried it because people will simply move into a lease type of range, which gives the landlord much more flexibility, and or just to convert some properties into quote-unquote condos, which again gives them a lot of flexibility with adding condo fees and those types of things. Yeah. But I just very quickly clicked on a Q&A, can a landlord increase rent anytime? This is in this province. A landlord cannot increase the rent during any fixed-term rental agreement or during the first 12 months of a week, two-week, or month-to-month rental agreement. No mention of any further controls available. But I w- i know people who uh, will absolutely have the answer. I'll ask them. We'll talk about it on the show. Okay, thanks. Thanks a lot, Johnny. Take All good right. care. All right. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, the rents are banging up and in a hurry. Let's see if anyone on Twitter has chimed in with an answer. Knowledgeable listeners, as we do have. Let's go to line number two. Say good morning to the PC member for Tops of Paradise. That's Paul Dinn. Paul, you're on the air. Good
41: morning, Patty. How are you doing? That's kind. You? Yeah, doing well. Good. I, I I want to throw a quick bouquet out to Denise Hanrahan. I was just listening to her. I had the pleasure of working with her in the past. And uh, I tell you, a competent, qualified person if there ever was one. So uh, our uh, auditing is in great hands there. Uh, but what I want to call about is uh, again healthcare uh and in particular the uh, most recent numbers that uh, the uh, nurses union are presenting on uh, on the shortages of nurses in the uh, in the province and we see those vacancies i think the reported over 750 now are uh, are vacant positions so so it's it's the situation's not getting better it's uh, you know well it's getting worse and uh, that doesn't take into account uh, the almost 1,000 that are expected to uh, retire in the coming years. Uh, and, you know, they do touch on, Yvette uh, uh, Coffey's release uh, had touched on compensation, and uh, we all know, uh, we all talk about, well, it can't be all about the money. But the, in some instances, when you're looking at trying to retain, retain staff that are there, it does uh, become about the money when you have locums that are coming in and being paid uh, much more, or when you have uh, nurses going away and being paid more uh, elsewhere. It's uh, it does play into it, and uh, you know when when you hear that it's not getting not getting any better, uh, it it does throw up red flags, and uh, people people uh, are worried then about their care because because nurses. I mean that t- uh trickles down to everyone it's a domino effect with all our individuals especially our, our, our doctors who are uh, those who don't have primary family care you know that number's gone up and in fact it was only this morning I got an email from uh, uh, the fire chief at the Dorset Trail Regional Fire Department uh, again raising an alarm on, on how shortages and closures are causing concerns and and, uh, and a greater weight, lo- weight of workload on, on them and, uh, you know, we we got to, this government has got to start uh, looking at closely or more closely at retention of who we have here now and what does it take to keep them here. You know, I look at healthcare, I use the analogy of a dam with a hole in it. You know, it's fine to be throwing the cups of water into the dam, but it's not going to work unless you address that hole in the dam and, and look at keeping. Those who are in the system here, and only by doing that are you going to ease the burden on uh, on those who are working and bring in more who are going to take on on the job. And you know, we look at ourselves, Aaron's and our and our nurse practitioners, lowest paid in the country. So you know, we government will talk about as national as global, and I agree, I agree. Uh, so what's one of the obvious ways to, to try and entice people to stay here or get here? Well, it, it does come down to dollars and cents. And, uh, you know, I'm hoping government, in the, well, especially with the new uh, uh, health transfers uh, amount and with the budget coming up, I'm hoping there's going to be some allocations there that address some of the uh, financial shortfalls uh, with regards to our health care workers. Uh, we need them. Their value has gone up. There's no doubt about it because when you make that 911 call, you want someone on the other end, someone who's going to respond and bring you to, a, to an ER that's close by and be dealt with and handled in a, in a, a good manner by trained professionals and nurses being the front-line workers. Uh, yeah.
19: Inside this story regarding the Registered Nurses Union, you know, it doesn't exactly line up with the comments coming from the minister about the bearing of fruit from the Mm -hmm. recruitment plans. If we've gone from 615 to 750 registered nurses' vacancies, 200 empty long-term care beds, it's a big deal, and it certainly doesn't uh, line up with the minister's comments. My question would be, inside that 22% increase, we always need a little bit of a further breakdown. Like, how many of those nurses simply retired? How many of those nurses decided to move along and work as travel nurses? How many of those nurses left for another province? Because if a big load of those numbers are people who are eligible to retire, then that changed the conversation a little bit. But if a significant number simply quit the profession or left the province or decided to become a travel nurse, then we can dig down. Because just those bare, you know, high-level numbers don't really give us a firm understanding. Same thing with the number of doctors. Until we know... How many doctors? And there's more doctors than ever in this province. How many of them are actually practicing with a full-time license? Well, uh, pardon me, a full uh, full patient roster. How many of them are simply doing locums or walking clinic work? Right? How many of them are simply doing pure research? Because it's one thing to say we have X, but knowing what X are up to. Helps us understand the conversation and further it along a little bit,
41: uh, Patty. Without a doubt, and and I've asked for that, and others have asked for the, the, the de- you know as we said the devil is in the details and trying to find out what that is, and and uh, you know we know a portion of nurses who who are not practicing. You know they're they're mainly uh, women. Uh, you know I've met with the nurses union and they you know some of them are taking maternity leave and that creates other issues because you know our childcare. Uh, in this province is uh, is dire need as well but you know you talk about exactly the number like for example 122 family doctors that did not renew their license and, and of course the government will say well we have 115 new that were uh, were issued but are they all going locums? Are they teachers? Are they working part time? We don't know the details and that's the stuff that, that uh, until you know that then then you really can't act on it And, you know, we've been asking for a plan. The opposition's been asking for a plan to see what the plan is. Yes, they've offered incentives here. Yes, they are gone off to, to Ireland and India and having tremendous and significant success in their own words. But we don't know. We don't know the numbers. We don't know what's coming in or how it's going to plug that hole in the dam. And uh, you know we need that information. If if the you know I I listened to the minister a while back on one, on uh, I think it was on target, and you know I asked about why nurses and physicians are leaving the province, and 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 he his exact words he couldn't put his finger on it, right? But I mean we we have to if you're going to address the issue, you have to know what the issue the problem is. And until you know why, we can all assume, we can all assume why doctors and nurses and it's uh, it's, uh, work-life balance and that, but there's other issues that we need to address. And until we know that, we can't. And to say you have a plan, a comprehensive plan, no less, is the words used, uh, and we haven't seen it, you know, what are timelines, what are the targets, what are the uh, things you're going to do? there's no confidence that this issue is going to be dealt with and we're going to have, uh, you know, some positive effects. You know, even the announcement yesterday, which was a fabulous announcement, I'm not debating the uh, Cardiac Care Centre of Excellence. Uh, It's been in, you know, the, the opposition has been pushing for that for years. So it's a good thing, right? Why it took so long, I don't know. But even in that discussion yesterday, the premier and the minister, they all spoke to going to create so many new beds. There's going to be more private beds than, than the, you know, four on a board. And that's all wonderful. But you still have to have staff by those bedsides. And, you know, it's great infrastructure, bricks and mortar, and the field of dreams, you know, yes, build it and they will come. I'm sure there's some element of that. But it's still not addressing our shortages. Our shortfalls, and it's right across the board, as we know, with radiation therapists and respiratory therapists and and you know, paramedics and you know. So, I do hope, and I look at the nurses and I, I give them credit, and I my heart goes out to them and any frontline worker for what they're doing, and and the hours they put in. But we have to start really sitting down and dealing with this. And you talk about retirements, Patty. You know, most people in their career would be talking freedom fifty-five. Yeah, right. And, and we would be looking to retire and get that package. Why are we not reaching out to these retired nurses or those who are on the verge of retirement and saying, look, can we keep you for a year or two more to help mentor? We will guarantee you, we will guarantee you a reasonable work schedule, 9 to 5, 3 days a week, whatever.
19: Yeah, I think, we we're doing, doing that? I think we're doing some of that. Uh, I have a friend of mine who, well, a friend of the family, yep. who is a retired nurse that's gone back to work, and I think she was enticed to come back. I also know someone who's a retired teacher that's gone back to work. Still, you know, gets like 90 days where yeah. they don't jeopardize their pension or what have you. Uh, just because of the time on the clock, Paul, I'm going to have to leave it at that this morning, but have a great weekend, and thanks for this.
41: You too. Stay warm.
19: <laughs> you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Paul Dins, the PC member for Tops of Paradise. And Johnny and others, increasing rent, the amount of increase as per the legislation, there is no risk. Rest- Restriction on the amount of rental increase a landlord may implement. Break time.
1: VOCM's open line. Call now. 273-5211 or 1-888-590-VOCM.
5: Hey, it's Glenn from Eastern Siding and Window
18: World. And I'm here to tell you we still have the best prices on siding.
33: Pop, why are you doing another ad about siding prices? Everyone already knows you have the best. <laughs> sure,
18: Cole. But
33: I also have to talk about our windows and doors. Or you can let me do the ad. Well, let's see what you got, buddy. Eastern Siding and Window World. You already know we have the best prices on siding, but we also have a winter booking sale on windows and doors. Call my pop at 745-6262.
4: And maybe you can tell him I should be doing the ads from now on Interest payments were going up. Creditors were calling. I finally realized I needed help. But the people at Jane's and Knowsworthy really took care of me. And I'm glad I chose a local solution. I felt like they understood me better.
5: We've been helping Newfoundlanders and Labradorians get out of debt for 35 years. With six offices across our province offering in-person appointments, we won't only offer you a video call. We'll meet with you on your terms when and where you need us. Visit janesnoseworthy.ca. Hi, it's Mark here from Cowan's Optical. Come in and see for yourself why Cowan's Optical is your number one choice for all your eye care needs. Start with booking your eye exam today or just bring in your current prescription, no matter where you had your eye exam. Choose from our huge selection of the latest fashion frames. Need a second pair? No problem. We got you covered there, too, with our two-for-one offer. Check out cowansoptical.ca to find a location near you. Cowan's Optical, where our focus is on you.
9: At the Avalon Mall Institute of Happiness, we've discovered the secret to making sure Newfoundlanders always have good vibes. Or as the kids say, chillin', big chillin'. Chill Bo Baggins, the St. John's Chill Harmonic Orchestra. Just go shopping at Avalon Mall. Bring a friend, check out the latest trends, treat yourself, grab a bite, repeat as needed or whenever you feel like it. Because that's what Avalon Mall is all about. Great shopping and good vibes. Visit Avalon Mall today. Good times, it's on.
7: Test your next
6: Mitsubishi SUV and discover a truly unmatched driving experience with their most advanced all-wheel drive system that'll deliver maximum traction and control for a confident drive in any conditions. Mitsubishi's incredible lineup of SUVs offer award-winning safety features, versatility, and exceptional fuel economy. And right now, you'll get competitive interest rates, plus
15: the best warranty in the industry. Book your test drive today at CapitalMitsubishi.ca. This week could be your lucky one with the Lions Club VOCM Cares Radio Bingo. It's week 20 and the jackpot is maxed out at $9,626 with an estimated consolation of $3,058. Plus there's an additional $3,000 in guaranteed pricing. Cards are just $4 each and available now. Get yours early and listen live on your radio Saturday, February 25th at 6 p.m. on the VOCM Network and 530 on Big Land. For a list of retailers and more info, follow VOCM Cares Bingo on Facebook or go to vocmcares.com. This is Open Line on VOCM.
19: Welcome back to the show. Let's go. Line number one, Joan, you're on the air. Hi. Hi.
42: I'm just calling in to give an update on our petition that we have for our emergency department in Whitburn. Okay. I just wanted to let you know we have over 3,000 names. Uh, We will be presenting it to the House sometime next week, and we're going to wait and see what happens. And if there's anybody that still wants to sign our petition before Monday, they can reach out to us on Save the Emergency Department in New Hook Clinic, Whitburn on our Facebook page.
19: Okay. So the petition—do you have it like out in the shops or what have you, so people can actually take a pen and sign the petition?
42: Yes, we do. Okay, we because
19: the virtual petitions are—you can't present them in the House of Assembly. So no, we don't
42: course. do virtual. We just—we can use our Facebook page if they need to reach us to get, us, get a piece of paper to sign it. But they're still in stores up until Monday. Okay. Um, and uh, then we'll see what happens, and we're willing to take our, our uh, protest to
19: St. John's if we need to. What exactly does it say? What are you asking the sign? Like, what's the question at the top of the petition?
42: I don't have a copy in front of me, as I'm not in the office today, but it's uh, we want our emergency department opened on a 24-7 basis like we had it before.
19: So basically, yeah, I was just curious because sometimes the question is either a bit too long and convoluted or it's very concise, and that gives it a bit more traction, no, I think. Okay, so if people. Direction to the point. Okay, so if people want to know more, what's the name of the Facebook page again if they want to connect and see what shop they have to go into to sign one?
42: It's under Save the Emergency Emergency Department in the New Hook Clinic, Whitburn.
19: Very good. Appreciate this. Keep us in the loop, Joan.
42: I will. Thank you so much.
19: You're welcome. Take care.
42: Have a good day. You too.
19: Bye. Do. Bye. Uh, let's keep going. Line number five, Judy, you're on the air. Morning, Patty. Morning.
17: Uh, yes, I'm calling regarding the digital ID that the uh, government is pushing. Um, Which I'm, one? Well, the well, federal and provincial. I don't. I didn't vote for any government to push a digital ID. We, the, we, our Newfoundlanders and Labradorians fought in both world wars, for our freedom.
19: Not, not exactly, but what well, worries you about a digital ID?
17: I, I think that the thing is is that we don't know where it's going to go. Um, you know, where is the information being saved? They say, you know, it's, going to, it's not going to be saved, but it will be saved once you put something on a, on a computer. It's there forever and ever, Amen.
19: Yeah, that's my uh, my thoughts on it. Like, for instance, I think you're referring to the health information ID, right?
17: The health information, yes. And look what happened there. It was uh, provincially here. It was uh, hacked. You know? where's oh, all that information
19: gone? To? Of course, of course. I mean, the protection of people's private information is paramount. Of course, it is. No one will deny that. The thing about the digital ID, which some of the pushback that confuses me a little bit is that that there's some nefarious goal. Like if it it restricts my mobility or Mm -hmm. something like that and all this thought of social credit, then we can discuss that. But, you know, the compilation of my health information is already there. You know, so let's just think about it one step further. For sharing my medical information at this moment in time, they will ask me when I present either at the clinic or the triage nurse all my personal important information, FCP yeah. number, my social insurance number, all those things. We're balling it out. Then they're still faxing around my personal information via fax machine, lying on the machine. Who knows who can get at it? People mm-hmm. looking to be looky loos inside my medical files. We've seen those breaches all the time. So if the digital ID is just a combination of my information in one concise area, as long as I can protect it properly, I'm not 100% sure what the worry is. If it extends beyond my health information with other social implications, absolutely. I'll be the first person up in arms about it because I don't need any restrictions. But if it's just my medical info, I don't really know how worried I am about that. I think down
17: the road, right now we don't know too much information, about it. I think down the road... If they bring it in, yes, you, your digital ID would be used for other things. Maybe it might be used for your carbon footprint. You know, okay, you show your carbon, you know, it, it's is going to be used for that.
19: Yeah, I've oh, heard yeah. people say that too, but I don't even know yeah. how that c- people can come up with an analysis and a concise record of my carbon footprint. Like, I mean, how would that even happen? I don't even know what that exactly means.
17: Well, you might have to show an ID uh no, you know, if you're going to be traveling, you show show your ID. I already do. Yeah, you know, yeah. D- not a digital ID. You use your passport, your driver's license. Right. You don't use a digital ID, so the digital ID will be filed away somewhere in someone's file, and then the next time you go to travel, will be come up on the computer within seconds. Oh.
19: Oh, they already mm-hmm. know that though, Judy. Yeah. If you use your passport, once they once they take my passport in their hand, at the the CBSA guy and he scans it, they have my travel records right there in front of them, just as quick as if I pr- presented them with a visa card style digital ID. It's right there on the screen. Mm-hmm. They know exactly where I've been. Yeah, they even well, stamp it. They,
17: they need to. They, we need to know more information about where where this digital ID is gonna to go
19: to. That much we agree on in full. We need to know exactly what the end goal is here. And if this is just the starting point, then we should be able to talk about that. If it's simply just about health information, then uh, you know a better understanding of uh, where it's stored, how it's stored, how it's disseminated, who has access to it, they're fair questions. Mm-hmm.
17: And once someone has your information, if it's hacked, they have that. If they have that information, do you think they're, they're gonna hold on to that until they can use it somewhere down the road?
19: Yeah, it depends on what information they do get their hands on. But, uh, yeah, once the info is out there and if someone gets it, you know, as in the form of the Meditech hack, they've got that information for tens of thousands of people in the province. What exactly right. they have, what exactly they plan on doing with it. Mm-hmm. Another good question. Judy, well, I'll give Asian you
17: the... Health had, had their breach on their employees. There's, went right back 20, 30 years, whoever went back. Yeah. They had the name, your the social insurance number, uh, your mother's maiden name. They have oodles, and oodles of information. Now, yes, it, uh, the Eastern Health said, well, we'll protect you for five years with Equifax. That's only for five years. So the people who, my personal opinion, the people who took that...
19: Yeah, but we can always change our bank accounts uh, at our bank and or we yeah. can change our credit cards, things like that to help protect ourselves.
17: A lot of information, you know, like try to go and do all that, you know. But in some five years' time, how many people are going to pay Equifax $30 a month to help protect your information? Not very many people are going to pay $30 a month.
19: If I get a letter from Eastern Health telling me that my info has been compromised, I go to my bank, I change the account, which gives me a new number. I get a different credit card with a new number, and they can do whatever they want with my old dead accounts, (laughs) which will have no money or no credit. Judy, just because it hit 12.01, I appreciate the time and the conversation.
17: Yeah, take care, Patty. You too. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye.
19: All right, uh, good week of shows, man. Thanks a lot to everyone who supports the program, all of the listeners, callers, emailers, tweeters. You're all right. We will indeed pick up this conversation again on Monday morning right here on VOCM and Bigland FM's Open Line. On behalf of the producer, Greg Smith, I'm your host, Patty Daly. Have yourself a safe, fun, happy weekend. Talk to you Monday. Bye-bye. You're listening to the VOCM Bigland
1: FM radio network. Stingray radio stations.
15: This VOCM News brought to you by NLC Liquor Stores. There's no safe way to mix alcohol and cannabis with any vehicle. Don't drink and ride and never ride high. Follow VOCM News on Twitter for breaking news.
7: If it affects you, it's on VOCM. Stay up to date with your VOCM.
1: This is Newfoundland and Labrador's News
2: Leader. VOCM local news now. Welcome to VOCM at noon. Temperature in Metro minus fifteen. We'll have all the weather details in about uh, fifteen minutes or so—fifteen or twenty. It is going to be a frigid Arctic-like weekend. I'll have all the details for you. Also in our sports, what a night for Dawson Mercer! Holy jumpins, he is on fire just at the right time. Interview of the day—we're going to hear. A little bit more on that report by the organization Thrive about sexual exploitation against youth. We'll hear from the child and youth advocate and get her reaction. That was an interview done this morning on your VOCM mornings. Uh, first in our news, now here's what we're waiting for at the moment. It is uh, Francois Legault, the Premier of Quebec, and Andrew Fury, Premier Newfoundland and Labrador. They met this morning. And they're just now going before the microphones at Confederation Building. They're, of course, talking about the Upper Churchill, that 1969 contract flawed, which gives Quebec most of the profits. what we're waiting to find out if Quebec, in the uh, waning years of that 65-year contract, 18 years left now, 2041, is willing to bend it a little bit uh, reopen it maybe give us a uh, better split on the finances they take about 15 times the profits that we do they've earned 28 billion on it we have earned 2 billion on it uh, since its existence uh, the upper Churchill Quebec of course does uh, still have some rights there they own about a third of it and they have uh, most of the assets except they don't have the resource they have the uh, Yeah, brick and mortar, if you will, the transmission lines. So we'll see what happens there. VOCM's Brian Callahan is at Confederation Building, and we'll hear from him uh, during this hour whenever the uh, two do break. I can imagine the number of questions that our reporters will have for Francois Legault and Andrew Fury. In other news, Paradise Man accused of killing another man while driving drunk on Pitts Memorial Drive last year had his case called in provincial court this morning. 24-year-old Joshua Burt charged with dangerous driving causing death and impaired driving causing death after the crash that killed 42-year-old Brad Caravan of Mount Pearl. The collision occurred in the early morning hours of April 3rd last year. Burt was charged. Three months later, Caravan was reportedly on his way to pick up his partner at the airport when his vehicle was struck head-on by a pickup truck. He died at the scene and Bert, meanwhile, was treated in a hospital for serious injuries. Lawyers appeared in court by teleconference this morning. It was learned that the defense is still awaiting a large amount of disclosure from the Crown that's expected to be forwarded and reviewed over the next few weeks. The next court date is set for April 18th. A designation has been filed with the court that allows Bert's lawyer to appear on his behalf. A man has been charged with assaulting a police officer following an incident at a business on Kenmount Road. The RNC confronted a 30-year-old who was asleep at the business last night at about 9.30. The man was detained due to his level of intoxication, but became uncooperative and combative. He was held for court today on the charges of assaulting the officer. Minister of Finance says government is picking up on fraudulent activity more quickly and receiving restoration in a timely manner. Auditor General Denise Hanrahan noted in a previous report that 30 government employees across several departments use corporate credit cards for personal expenses. In reacting to the AG's annual report for 2022 released yesterday, Siobhan Cody, President of Treasury Board, says they have processes in place, and sometimes there is no ill intent on the part of the employee. However, some employees have been disciplined.
13: Um, and, uh, you know, that is on a, an individual basis. It depends on what the, the nature of the fraud is. It could be sometimes an inadvertent error as much as anything else. Um, but overall, uh, we are able to address our, our fraud very quickly very uh, and, and Getting restoration of that uh, very quickly as well. So I'm glad she recognized that in the in the report. But there are instances of fraud that do occur, and there's sometimes there's sometimes impacts to employees because of that.
2: Hanrahan acknowledges government's efforts to catch fraudulent activity, but such efforts and programs may not apply across the board in all government operations.
37: And in some cases, it is very challenging uh, to play what I'll call bad cop when something happens Um, and it could be innocent fair enough but it does indicate there's something wrong in the system with somebody can submit fraudulent documents and get paid um, or somebody can do a transaction on a government asset or a credit card or a piece of equipment, um, and that I would hope that every single incident of that type of thing is dealt with in its own individual circumstance, as well as learning, so we can avoid it in the future.
2: Mayor of Bonavista, providing an encouraging update on ER services at their hospital, John Norman, says most of the ER shifts at the Bonavista Hospital are covered for March, and the staffing situation for April is also looking positive he says after working closely with eastern health and the health minister they now have four newly funded positions for Bonavista, including two more nurse practitioners and two more family physicians that's in addition to the traditional physician and nurse practitioner positions that previously covered the er and family clinics the positions have been posted and once filled result in the highest staffing levels ever seen at the Bonavista Hospital. That hospital has locum coverage for March and April, and some physicians are in discussions with the possibility of being signed full-time. Provincial and federal governments have announced an agreement in principle for increased federal health care transfers to Newfoundland and Labrador, NL, one of five provinces that reached that over the last couple of days. The shared plan for $2.17 billion in federal funding to the province over the next 10 years will include $750 million for a new bilateral agreement focused on shared health care priorities, as well as $27 million through an immediate one-time health transfer top-up to meet urgent needs, especially in addressing emergency rooms and surgical backlogs, greater access to home care to allow people to age in place, also part of shared provincial and federal health care priorities. Government is also committed to the collection, use and sharing of health information to help Canadians understand key common health indicators similar to the aggregate information already collected and shared through the Canadian Institute for Health Information. Premier Andrew Fury says the agreement, not a whole lot different than what was announced in Deer Lake last week. There
3: is an uh, agreement to move ahead on Uh, on negotiating the bilateral agreements, uh, which you all know are based around the shared priorities. Uh, And uh, after we left Deer Lake, there was a commitment to have Minister Duclos and Minister Osborne work together. Uh, This just formalizes this process. So uh, although it's a formal step, uh, this was one that was agreed upon last week.
2: Federal government giving Newfoundland Labrador $27 million to train the workforce in the tech sector The funding will be administered by Tech NL with a focus on equity-deserving groups. Cabinet Minister Seamus O'Regan made the announcement today at Verifin on Hebron Way in St. John's. O'Regan says the money is essential to train and upskill Newfoundlanders and Labradorians in technology. The campaign will connect with people who are considering future career options such as students and career pivoters as well as influencers as teachers parents coaches mentors and others who are helping provide guidance to those who may have potential for a future in tech Uh, Further to the story that we brought you yesterday now in that news conference by the Minister of Energy, Andrew Parsons, talking about the uh, shared benefits agreement with the hydrogen wind energy sector. Opposition leader David Brazel says, while the introduction of a fiscal framework for wind and hydrogen development is good news, a lot of questions remain. The fiscal framework is based on the premise that the province makes money when the companies do, as well as through corporate taxes. Brazel says the industry could be valuable if we do it right. He wants to know if it includes a local benefits package.
18: You know, what does this mean for, you know, community benefits agreement around employment? Our local Newfoundlanders and Labradorians who have the skill set here are uh, going to be hard uh, to develop these projects. If a contractor comes in from outside the province, uh, you know, will they be mandated to hire local employment? Which we are hopeful, as we've seen done in a number of other projects here, because our skilled workers here uh, can build anything. So we're hopeful of that. That's one of the concerns we have.
2: Brazel also wants to know what assurances there are if a company does not succeed or decides to abandon a project that the sites will be cleared up and the province won't be left holding the bag. The NDP, meanwhile, concerned that water royalties only kick in once a project's costs are recovered. Labrador West MHA Jordan Brown upset that a natural resource will be given away for a long period of time with no royalties in return. The union, which represents harvesters and plant workers, calling for immediate action to protect the province's northern shrimp fishery, the, OCM's Allison King.
4: the Northern Shrimp Advisory Committee is meeting in Halifax, but the FFAW says management decisions are being made in the absence of actual science. Greg Pritty, president of FFAW Unifor, is concerned that Ottawa may close the Northern Shrimp Fishery in Area 6. The FFAW is demanding to see catch-per-unit data from 2022, comparative fishing data, and a rebuilding plan for shrimp fishing Area 6. The current limit reference point, a key factor in determining quotas and status for a fishery, was adopted in 2014. The union wants it reviewed now but says DFO won't start the review until next year. Area 6, which is off the northeast coast, is the largest of any shrimp zone, and the union says it has been showing signs of improvement. Allison King, VOCM, Local News Now.
2: Well, Choices for Youth picked the right weekend to stage their coldest night of the year fundraising event to raise awareness of homelessness, starting and ending at Atlantic Place in St. John's. Some 250 people will walk and volunteer their time tomorrow To show support for young people in need, Katie Keats, manager of communications with Choices, says they've reached their objective of $50,000. Truly will be one of the coldest nights of the year. Tomorrow in metro, temperatures going down to the minus teens overnight, not much warmer in the daytime.
9: It really brings an advocacy piece, right, and some awareness to um, some of the the situations that people find themselves in here all over our community. who may not necessarily have like a warm house or a warm roof over their heads. So I think that in addition to it being a fundraiser and, you know, getting, you know, family friendly, we want you to come out and enjoy, it's also a pretty serious uh, awareness event as well.
2: That event begins at four o'clock. Anyone interested in doing the two and a half kilometer trek should pre-register online. Our sister station, Hot 99.1, is the media sponsor. A former mayor of a large town on the West Coast has passed away. Harold Smokey Ball passed at the Western Palliative Care Unit this week. Ball was born and raised in Deer Lake, served as mayor and deputy mayor. Smokey Ball is resting at Filletree's in Deer Lake today and Saturday. Funeral services set for Sunday. He was 88 years old. What a night it was for Dawson Mercer Bay Roberts. With the Devils trailing the Los Angeles Kings 2-0 in the second period, Mercer set up Thomas to tar to get them on the board and then scored his 17th to tie it 2-2. The Kings took the lead in the third, but New Jersey tied it with 40 seconds left. And then Mercer went to work, scoring the OT winner halfway through the frame. He was named the game's first star. It was also Mercer's 140th consecutive game that ties Scott Gomez's team record. Gomez, of course, goes back to those uh, teams of their heyday in the 90s when they were winning all the Stanley Cups. It was also the fifth game in a row that Mercer has scored. And with the win, the Devils moved to within three points of Carolina in the Metropolitan Division. It was an exciting opening week for Team NL at the Canada Winter Games in Charlottetown. The team's first gold medal won Wednesday in men's trampoline. 18-year-old Gleb Estigniev of Campia Gymnastics in Mount Pearl. Chef de mission for Team NL Tom Godden says Gleb's gold, a big boost for the entire team.
30: It was really encouraging to see a lot of the other teams. We had biathletes there. We had the other parts of the gymnastics team. We had several sports who came to the venue to watch Gleb compete. And I can tell you the stadium was alive with lots of Newfoundland fans and lots of Newfoundland athletes cheering Gleb on.
2: Provincial government providing close to a million dollars over three years for Laughing Heart Music Limited to implement a workforce development plan in the music sector in Cornerbrook. The funding being made available through the Federal Provincial Labour Market Transfer Agreement. Laughing Heart Music will hire four staff to deliver programs essential to developing and sustaining a thriving music sector in the region. The aim is to benefit both emerging and established music professionals with access to new programs, workshops, mentorships, and studio space. The work will be carried out through 62 Broadway in Cornerbrook which is being described as a burgeoning arts hub. You can see pictures at vocm.com. And Cosori, recalling more than 2 million air fryers sold in Canada, the United States, and Mexico. 3.7 and 5.8 quart size air fryers were sold between June 2018 and December 2022, both in stores and online. The U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission says owners should stop using them immediately because wire connections can overheat and pose a fire risk. Consumers can go online at recall.casori.com and receive a free replacement or another product. Just coming up in 18 minutes after 12 o'clock, still to come on VOCM at noon. We'll have our feature interview. going to hear more about the sexual exploitation of youth in Newfoundland and Labrador. We'll hear from the child and youth advocate Still in sports, uh, oh boy, in NHL, the Boston Bruins, the league's best team, just got stronger, getting some reinforcements from the Washington Capitals. Up next, I'll have your provincial weather forecast. This is VOCM at noon.
13: Heading to the cabin, did you know operating any motorized vehicle while impaired is a criminal offense? Whether you're in a boat or a snowmobile or an ATV, there's no safe way to mix alcohol or cannabis with vehicles of any kind. We can all use some fun in the great outdoors, but please enjoy safely. Don't drink and ride and never ride high. This message is brought to you by the Newfoundland and Labrador Liquor Corporation and the RCMP.
12: You can't control when injuries and accidents happen or how much they'll change your life but you can control what happens next. Call Moores and Collins Law Office, a law firm with a proven track record. Richard Collins and Douglas Moores have over 50 years of experience handling personal injury and accident claims. And when you call, you'll be able to speak directly to them. Plus, they offer no fee until you collect. Take back your control. Moores and Collins Law Office, 268 Conception Bay Highway, Bay
20: Roberts. This season, get the hottest deals for the coldest streets. Only at Streetswear Kids. Zip up for a better night's sleep on the street with the pavement parka. Step on broken glass and needles with Kevlar kicks. Handhandle in a cashless society with the tap-me-teddy. Now for 20% off. Because the truth is... 20% of Canadians facing homelessness are youth. This collection doesn't exist. Neither should youth homelessness. Buy a toque at RaisingTheRoof.org and help end youth homelessness.
33: What could Friday's Max jackpot of an estimated $50 million plus an estimated two max millions get you? A
9: fleet of helicopters. No, wait, a flight to outer
33: space. We have a dreamer. Dream to the max. Must be 19 or over.
8: Young drivers of Canada. I remember learning to drive with young drivers. They were so good and patient. Now my daughter wants to get her license, so there's only one choice in my mind, young drivers. With them, it's about more than just passing a test. It's about safe driving, and winter is the best time to learn. No matter the weather, a young driver student will return home safely. Young
1: drivers of Canada.
3: Prepare
11: for the road ahead. Of starting this month, save $50 with discount code StingrayYD. Sign up at
4: yd.com. What's your perfect meal? Ooh, samosas, rice, and a butter chicken fountain from India Gate. Um, that doesn't exist. It does in my head.
13: I'd bathe in that thing. Okay, now I need India Gate. We don't have a butter chicken fountain, but we do have delicious tandoori naan, handmade samosas, and our famous butter chicken on a plate. Dine in or take it home. India Gate Restaurant, 286 Duckwood Street. Call 753 6006.
7: New? New, new, new. There's so much new at Cohen's. New Canadian-made furniture, new mattresses, new appliances, new laundry pairs, all in stock. See more in our new bi-weekly flyer on Rebe and at Cohen's.ca. Cohen's,
8: where the home is. This VOCM weather brought to you by Cowan's Optical. We care about the health of your eyes. Eye exams now available Monday to Saturday. Call 722-EYES to book your appointment.
2: Well, one word, cold. Uh, St. John's Metro, rest of the Avalon, maybe a few sunny breaks here and there, northwest at 30. Temperature minus 12. So not as cold as yesterday afternoon when the winds are up around 60 or 70. Uh, tonight, clear skies. Winds pick up to 40. Temperature minus 12. Much the same on Saturday. Cloudy. Winds 40. Temperature minus 13. Cold again on Sunday. No relief until we're going to be into next week. Clarendonville and Central mix of sun and cloud today. Light winds minus 14. Light winds tonight under clear skies minus 21. And some sunshine tomorrow. Light winds and the mid minus teens again. South coast, mix sun and cloud next two days. Light winds, temperatures daytime, minus 11 overnight, minus 16. West coast, southwest coast, northern peninsula, cloudy today. Light winds, minus 14. Tonight, winds pick up to 30. The low, minus 18 and Saturday, cloudy, winds 30, high minus 13. Keep in mind now that it's going to be about four or five degrees colder as you get up into the northern peninsula. Goose Bay, sunshine this afternoon, winds 30, high of 25, minus 25, wind chill though minus 37. Tonight clear, winds 30, the low minus 31, wind chills minus 38 this evening, minus 44 overnight. For Saturday, sunny, winds 30, high minus 24, wind chill. Minus 43 in the morning. Minus 36 in the afternoon. Lab West. Sunny today. Light winds. Temperature. This is the temperature now. Not the wind chill. Falling to minus 40. Uh, Clear skies tonight. Light winds minus 37. And for Saturday, sunshine. Light winds and temperature. How about this? Warms up. To minus 27. North Coast, sunshine this afternoon, northwesterlies up at 60, and the high minus 26, so your wind chill is in the minus 40s. Uh, tonight, clear skies, winds 40, the low minus 29, and for Saturday, winds 40, high minus 24, but wind chill minus 44 in the morning, minus 37 in the afternoon right now. In Metro, we have winds at about 30, not so bad. Uh, Mainly cloudy skies and temperature has gone up another degree. It was minus 16 when it came in at 4.30 this morning. It is now minus 14 in Metro. Uh, Time now just coming up on 12.24. This is VOCM's Newfoundland and Labrador today.
7: Coming up, your VOCM sports update. Get the latest in scores, headlines, and schedules from your local teams to the
14: big leagues. At the Nissan Institute of Thrillology, we're taking winter to the limit. Today, we're pushing the Rogue's intelligent all-wheel drive by storm chasing this Alpha class blizzard. You call that an Alpha? During the Nissan Test at the Thrill Event, lease a 2023 Rogue from 4 dollars monthly for 60 months inventory available now sd midnight at 4.99 percent with one thousand eight hundred ninety five down conditions
34: apply
2: good afternoon sports fans i'm brian medore let's start with the newfoundland growler 610 610- and just uh, the speaking of the Growlers, they will be in Trois Rivières, Quebec tonight. They won on Wednesday. They play tonight and tomorrow night. And they're still away next weekend as well. And they'll be back here, I think it's the following weekend. Newfoundland Rogues at uh, Mary Brown Center got in back in the wing column on Wednesday against Salem. And they'll play the same Salem team tonight. Going down for that, actually. Taking the young fella. He's into uh, basketball at Vanier Elementary. Played uh, game playoff game on uh, Monday. So we're going down to see the Newfoundland Rogues tonight, 7 o'clock, the Mary Brown Centre. Raptors won over New Orleans last night. Good effort by the Raps. Uh, They won five, I think, of their last six, so they are making a place uh, push for the playoffs. And the NHL told you about Dawson in the newscast. What more can you say about him? Holy cow, on fire. Uh, there's more at vocm.com. You want to get the full picture. Uh, other games, Edmonton beating Pittsburgh 7-2. to Vancouver gets the extra point over St. Louis. Should hear the Blues coach chew out his uh, players. Holy cow. He really gave him a tongue lashing. You got to hear it. Uh, Vegas gets the extra point over Calgary. Bad loss by the Flames because they now fall three points behind the Minnesota Wild for that last playoff spot. Minnesota defeated Columbus 2-0. Washington loses again. Gave a couple of players away to Boston. So the strongest gets stronger because the uh, Bruins beat Seattle 6-5. I don't think the Capitals are going to make the playoffs this year. (laughs) Buffalo the extra point over Tampa Bay. We had uh, Detroit all of a sudden in a playoff spot. Didn't see that coming at the beginning of the season, defeating the New York Rangers 4-1. to uh, They're uh, right into that uh, deadlock for the uh, final playoff spot in the Eastern Conference. And Nashville trying to squeak in a 6-2 win over San Jose. Here's what's on tonight. Minnesota and Toronto 8-30. Montreal, Philadelphia, 8.30. Ottawa, Carolina, Buffalo, Florida, all the same thing. Panthers trying to squeeze in there. Uh, Los Angeles and the Islanders going at 9. The Islanders have the 7th playoff spot right now, or the first wild card, whatever you call it. And Colorado and Alex Newhook in Winnipeg. Just got the news on Colorado now. Uh, Landeskog looks like he's not going to play again for the rest of the regular season. I think if they're going to make a Stanley Cup run again to defend their uh, trophy, I think they're going to have to have Landeskog scog in their lineup that is a look at sports i'm brian Adore.
7: the provincial road report brought to you by robin's donuts sip to win is back with incredible prizes including amazing robin's gift packs thousands of drink prizes and a grand prize of ten thousand dollars robin's fast fresh and friendly
2: well, it's pretty good driving most areas this Friday. Ferries all on time, on schedule, and operating wind, not a factor today like it was yesterday in some areas. Situation today, though, uh, the road looks bare dry or bare wet, and then all of a sudden, if it's uh, prone to drifting, it'll have snow on the road. And because of these frigid temperatures, the snow will basically be ice. The salt won't have much effect, and it is slippery. So just keep your eyes peeled for those situations and some secondary roads still snow-covered i love our york built dream home and all in our own
15: style it's perfect for family gatherings planning your dream home this year contact
7: york your locally owned home builder and winner of four berg awards in 2022 from the canadian home builders association of newfoundland and labrador
15: build with york for your dream home they'll help you get there
7: york let's make it happen now booking for spring visit yorkbuilt.ca to get started
4: Sometimes, all you need is tender loving care. When that time comes, tender loving care nursing and home care services are there. They've been in business for over 40 years. Their capacity to care reaches island wide, and they take time. If you need government assistance or insurance, they'll sit down with you and help you with the paperwork. For families and seniors who require special care, it's tender loving care nursing and home care services. Visit TLC
13: TLCNursingAndHomeCare.com. Newfoundland and Labrador, illegal dumping is a crime. If you see something, say something. Tell Crime Stoppers the date, time, and location of the incident and description of the vehicle and license plate. Call 1-800-222-TIPS-8477 or visit NLCrimestoppers.com.
9: The one thing that we can all do to help stop the spread of COVID-19 is to keep things clean. Your business, clinic, or building can be cleaned and disinfected from top to bottom by the professionals at Bursi Cleaners. Their team is ready to help you stay ahead of the coronavirus. They're bonded and certified, and you can trust them to do the job right. Visit their website or give them a call today, and they will exceed your standards. The experts at Bursi Cleaners are reliable, dependable, and ready to go. Visit bursi-cleaners.ca.
15: At TradesNL, their goal is to aid in the building of prosperity in our province. They represent thousands of highly trained, diverse, safe, and highly productive working tradespersons in the Newfoundland and Labrador building and construction industry. It's thanks to their vision that so many Newfoundlanders and Labradorians are forging pride and professionalism in the trades through training.